everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap. Today I am joined by Bradley Ellis at the end there. Hey. And welcome back, Thank Michael you. Huber. Thank oh. you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Huber, obviously I love shooting Frame Trap with you. You've been on, mm. on many, many episodes. Um, and it's nice to finally have you back. Uh, and I want to, I guess, to kind of welcome you back into mm. the fold. You you were talking before the show about how you watched all three Batman movies in one day. Mm-hmm. By all three, I mean the Dark Knight trilogy. And uh, this this is how Huber characterized it. He goes, it's only seven and a half hours. Like, like it was no big deal, and he was surprised <laughs> at the length. Uh, I can't do that. I can't watch three movies back to back like that. Um, but anyway... It always feels good returning to an old favorite, and yeah. I think that that's something that you do, that I do, that Brad, that you yeah. do uh, when you can. But as far as movies go, like beyond, I guess, the obvious, are there any things that, that really just kind of like pick you up? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm obsessed with the MCU, of course, um, and I had just recently watched the entire MCU, obviously, like before Endgame. I think I even did it before Infinity oh. War. So you but, like right before Endgame, you watched yeah, all of them again. All of them, man. It's it's oh, but that's not in one day. Obviously, that's impossible. Yeah. Over like a couple weeks. When you would do it, was it would it be like one movie a day, or would you watch multiple yeah. movies in a day? Okay. When I leading up to Infinity War, I did like one a night. For gotcha. Like, you know, so like two months, couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, upon revisiting the MCU, mm-hmm. I think I think that's fascinating because like some of these movies came out so long ago. Did mm-hmm. you? have kind of that revisitation thing where you liked some of them less than you thought yes. you would and some more. Yeah, I liked some more, I liked some less, but then, you know, I've, I've said, like, at the end of the day, for me, the way I view it is, like, it's all one big thing, and they all, even, you know, people dunk on, like, Incredible Hulk or, like, you know, Thor 2 or Guardians 2 even, and it's, like, when they're all just part of this one big thing, they all have... The special moments, special parts. Like, I love all of them. <laughs> Something that I, that I'm kind of envious of is like you're so in on all in on the MCU that you're kind of always there immediately. And with a lot of the MCU movie, MCU movies, I came there later. And so you mm-hmm. just you know you hear opinions and perceptions get formed. And one of those for me was Doctor Strange. You're and everybody was like, "Oh, this is just whatever. It's not any good." And mm-hmm. so like I put it off even further because I'm like, uh, "I guess I'll watch this eventually," but I'm not excited about it. Yeah. And I watched it and I was like, "Oh, this is." Really good. Like th- I, I enjoyed yeah. this a lot more than I was led to believe yeah. uh, that I would. And so that's I love those moments too. When totally. when you're not expecting much and it really wins you over. Yeah, in the end, so. I remember loving Doctor Strange, and then when I rewatched it, I was like, dude, this is like the best MCU. It's like in the tops, nice for sure. Nice. Do you think you would ever do a definitive ranking of all the movies? Hard thing. Hard thing. Yeah. I mean, Winter Soldier. And Infinity War slash Endgame are definitely like my top mm. two, three. Gotcha. For sure. Yeah. Um, Huber, we have we have a lot to talk about, a lot of new things that have that have come up. But uh, I, I think I actually want to start with you. Cool. Uh, because I, you know I talked about judgment on this sure. this episode a little while ago, uh, but you and Brad mm-hmm. uh, have both played through and finished Judgment, and you're just kind of bouncing with energy about it. Yes. So feed feed me your energy, man. Finished 45 out of 50 side quests in this thing. The last nice. couple, though, man, the last couple, they grind you. They do mm. you dirty, and yeah. it's like... Like uh, drone racing? Dude, the drone racing, which I did a lot of, but then there's the one where you have to find the pictures for the pawn shop. Okay, oh. You have to sell this dude paintings, but the way to get all the paintings is like 
win all the drone races or like win in the casino every so like really hard those last sure. couple yeah uh which is really cool but i was like bummed because the whole time i was like you look on the map in his office and it's like to get that final side quest yeah you have to finish 49 side quests so it actually is like a final one i haven't looked up what it is you know, my mind was racing. It was like, dude, is Majima going to show up or something? I, <laughs> I know it's probably nothing crazy like that. I, I think it's <laughs> cool. I, and you, you've talked about this before. And, you know, it's a, it's a point of praise for the Exit series in general. But I think it's done very well in Judgment where the different systems of the game feed into each other. And so yeah. it's like, hey, you want to get more of these side stories. You've got to, like increase the individual friendship level of these people, which in turn, like, increases your level for the city, and it's just, like, everything that you're doing. Like, you just stop into a restaurant to get a bite to eat, and then it leads into Mm -hmm. a story. Like, we were talking about that sushi guy who's so endearing and just, like, trying to learn the ropes of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely loved Judgment. Um, the, The serial killer vibes, you know, just that, like gritty like i saw the devil vibes brad oh you know like the, so i saw Jeez. the devil is like just, this the chaser like, saying serial killer vibes is like hard to process right it's like disturbing yeah but like in because like i think like J- japan for me Jap- japanese movies have like really good horror and stuff but like korea does really good like serial killer murder stuff mm-hmm. and like those movies fascinate me. I know it's like disturbing yeah. content, but like that's because it's like sk- there were stakes. You know, there mm-hmm. were there were real stakes to these these bodies turning up, mm-hmm. and there was a real sense of danger that I hadn't really felt in Yakuza for a long time. Sure. So I think I think that really pulled me into the world of of the detective. You know. Yeah. Um. Definitely kind of the vibe that I've gotten from from some Yakuza games. It's like Kiryu is always an entertaining protagonist, but sometimes I get the sense where it's like, man, we've we've focused on his story a lot. Mm-hmm. And so they, they kind of lean on other characters mm-hmm. to develop them. He's just like, man, we've we've really seen a pretty wide arc uh, with Kiryu. And totally. I think that's what's nice with Yagami in yeah. Judgment is the pain that he's carrying with him and really digging into that and and seeing how he processes that and then having that kind of that mystery kind of blossom around him. I think it's really, really good. And it is like, it ends up being a really well-told story. at the end. Totally. A lot of good characters coming in and out. A lot of good side stories. Love the way that there's like multi, like multiple kind of main quests lines that Mm -hmm. kind of feed into each other. Yeah. Uh, Just really well done. Yeah, um, there are also moments where it just has an incredible sense of humor. I mm-hmm. think of the the like you go to the law office and they're trying to solve the mystery of the cake. That's oh, pretty right. like yeah. it's it's kind of annoying in one hand because it's like it's so far removed from like the actual main story. But it the thing is, it's actually like enter- taken on its own merit. It's pretty entertaining, yeah. and cute, and fun. Did um, you guys do the pervert quest chain? Are you talking about Ass Ketchum? Ass Ketchum and <laughs> the like main dude, the way all that wraps up. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I want to spoil it, but there yeah. is like some really freaky. I'm trying to remember if 
because like it doesn't it doesn't all unlock at once. No, there's like the king, the king perverts, or they yeah. give them a name. Yeah. there's like, there's <laughs> like, like four it, perverts. Yeah, 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 I think I think I did the first two. Okay, um, the did you, way... I did the. Did you do the bomb guy all the way through? Yep. 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 Yeah, that, yeah, me too. That was I did good. That. Yeah, which was a throwback, which was a callback to. One of the Yakuza's. That bomb situation has happened before. Um, and then, of course, there was one. I'm not going to spoil it. There was one really, really touching, great continuation from Yakuza 6. It's a side story. I'm not going to say what it is, but it was in there, and I loved it. And mm. it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blood was talking about this when he reviewed The Witcher 3. And I'm sure you've gone through it with, with Yakuza games or, mm. like, other reviews in general, where like when you're reviewing something, you want to do as much of the side stuff yeah. as you possibly can, but and you then you gotta, right, and yeah. then, so it's like you in those early. It's funny when you're reviewing something because in like the early days, and this was true for Judgment as well. It was like I'm taking so much time, I'm doing whatever I want, I'm just messing around, I'm seeing everything in the city, yeah, and then like. A few days passing and closer to Embargo, and I was like, okay, time to finish the story. Yeah, and like definitely. that valve just turns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my so. God. My playtime, because I did so many side quests, was absurd. It was like 40 or 50 hours nice. at least. Nice, nice, nice. And to be fair, it did kind of mess up the pacing of the main storyline for me, mm. just doing all that side stuff. Like really yep. obsessing over SP and always eating, like after <sighs> a fight and just really grinding that out. Well, you, you talked about it messing up the pacing of the, the story, of the, main, the main quest for you, but that's actually one of my biggest complaints about Judgment, just because I've seen it happen in other Yakuza games, where, like, obviously the side quest stuff is really enjoyable in the Yakuza games, and it is in Judgment, but sometimes it feels like they kind of, like, just awkwardly insert it into the main story where they mm-hmm. don't need to. I think there can be more of a clear distinction where it's like, if you want to focus on the main story... We're going to keep the pacing of that going in a nice clip. And totally. if you want to just go out and sprawling, like sometimes those things intersect. And I think it's okay for them to intersect sometimes. But in multiple Yakuza games, there have definitely been moments where it's like, okay, th- this this fetch quest or like yeah. this thing, it's spinning its wheels a little bit. And it just doesn't have to. Yeah, totally. I, th- I felt like what really hurt that overall side quest, main quest, pacing, everything about that was the limited mechanics just really leaning into all right you're gonna tail this person yeah all right, you're gonna tail this person now uh, oh you're gonna tail this person now you're gonna take photos of this it was just like the same two or three mechanics just over, repeated over. repeated repeated and i think that was that was okay like i appreciated in a lot of ways how they tried to have this kind of detective bent to yakuza and i thought like having to answer questions during conversations was like a nice way to get you more engaged in conversations and it didn't take that long yeah. or like lock picking didn't take that long. Oh, but the, love the lock. Yeah. yeah. Love lock picking. The, but the tailing in particular, and Brad, you said this uh, when you finished and I agreed with you. The tailing is just way too frequent and yeah. way too long it's for what it so is. It's so boring, man. Yeah. And it goes on forever yeah. and forever. it's way too frequent. Like yeah. you said, it's just, it's like every, like you're going full speed and it just slams to a halt for yeah. like, Ten minutes sometimes. And then especially, like, dude, that happened to me too, Brad, where I, like, did a side quest, or t- I did, like, two of them, and there were, like, two tailing missions, then I went to a main quest, and it was another tailing yeah. one, and yeah. I was just like, darn. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I don't want to do this, man. Well, and especially, like, as the game goes on, they get so long, and you're they doing it for, for a really long time, it's like, sometimes. like I, I get it, like, I did, I don't know, it's yeah. just... It's not that exciting, but I do want to talk to you about the combat because yes. that was actually something that um, I ended up being pretty impressed by. Obviously, it's leaning a lot on the formula mm-hmm. that it's so clearly established, but I thought 
the two different styles both served a pretty like useful and distinct purpose. I thought yeah. the mortal wounds yeah. was a really good mechanic. It was that, cool. that like because I think a, a complaint that we have with Yakuza sometimes is like you get to a point with fights where you're just like not even thinking about it, yeah. and it added just a little bit of fear totally. into the fights again. Yeah, not not perfect, not like like you know, this this crazy thing, but I, I appreciated the touch yeah. because it was like, oh, getting these supplies, like it really costs a lot or yeah, I have to go to a doctor expensive. and that's really expensive. Mm -hmm. So I liked that tension to totally. it. Totally. Um, uh, so top move of the year, Death Blows, Secure, obviously, mm -hmm. followed by Shotguns in Resident Evil 2, <laughs> followed by number three, yeah. Running on the wall, ex doing that, e not even where you like kick three people. Oh my god! And even yeah. even just the normal attack, like running up, kick, running up, punch, mm -hmm. addicting. Yeah. Like there were some fights where I just like kept doing that over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wall runs good. So fun. And they've they've done obviously acrobatic fighters before in Yakuza, but you think of like Kiryu, just kind of like a very big. Like mm -hmm. in your face kind of guy, and it was fun playing Yagami, and he's like he's like dancing when he fights. It's like it's like yeah, much he's more just like so Majima. agile. Yeah, 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 so much more like Majima in Yakuza Zero. But um, yeah, it was really really fun. Um, yeah, and it, just just lastly, I just want to just talk to you guys about just the vibes, you know, again, mm -hmm. just the, the the serial killer thing, and just like I think it was so intense, just like finding like the the crime scene, you know, behind. The bar where yeah. Yaku, or where Cosmo always frequents, just like living in this world, this like the underbelly of it, you know. And I know Yakuza, you're always kind of in the underbelly, you know. It's right. it, these, these yeah. are Yakuza games, but like there was just something about this one that was just again just a little more gritty, a little more dangerous. And it was kind of like you were in it, but at the same time you were one step removed from yeah, it. Yeah, because you're not a Yakuza. Yeah, I, I think right. Mm -hmm. Like you're associated with them and stuff like that, but yeah. like a guy who like put you through law school or whatever. Yeah. Um, just really, really great vibe. Like being in the universe from a different perspective. Yeah. And it, it just nailed that. My big, big takeaway from judgment. And I, I think it's, it's hard to do an elevator pitch for people who are mm -hmm. maybe on the outside. Uh, but, oh man, I wish, I wish more games were capable of doing this. Like, Judgment wins on the quality of its story and writing and characters. Yes. And, like, it, they just keep getting better at telling stories because, like, it's not just about Yagami. Like, all the people that he interacts with, like, his core, his core kind of, like, I unit. Don't, like, they, they all <laughs> come in and play a significant part. And they're mm -hmm. all multifaceted characters, and they all have points of growth, and they just seem so down to earth and relatable. And man, you think like, <laughs> especially in recent years, there have been so many Yakuza so games, many. and like, yeah, there's always new features that you can talk about, but the template is largely the same. Mm -hmm. It is, it is a lot. You're in Kamurocho, you go, you eat, you have these mini games, you have these side quests. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it is largely the same. But I am just as invested now as I was, you know, when I first played Yakuza 3 yep. because they're focusing on the basics. They're making, like, when you finish that story, you feel like it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Like, I hate finish a game and being like, yeah, I didn't really care about that story. Yeah. And, like, they're just getting better. And so, like, I think on the outside, it's, I've seen people be like, oh, it's just a Yakuza rescan. And it's like, no, like, in terms of telling a narrative, they go out of their way to make it, different than what you've experienced before and like 
I don't know. I think I think Yagami stands side by side by a lot of other mm-hmm. prominent totally you know, uh, yakuza characters and I, I really respect them for that and it's awesome to have this series being like whatever they do next i'm excited to see what story they're going to sell mm-hmm. totally so. i need to go back now and like check out the genda law office yeah see where it in is. like five and six and see stake like, it out dude is that like are they there right now are they there <laughs> i need to like peek around because that's some prime real estate dude every it's time i'm in nice. that genda law office i'm looking down at the square just like man god those interiors yeah. Just existing in Yakuza interiors is one of my favorite things mm-hmm. in gaming right now. Yep. Uh, and like using the drone and like peeking in <laughs> to uh, the different rooms yeah. and seeing like what individuals so, are doing. Yeah. So like creepy, dude. Like yes. peeping Tom, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's very, very creepy. They're um, supposed to announce the new a new Yakuza thing at the end of August. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Something's going down. Something's going down. We'll something's see. We'll, we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll be, we'll be there. Well, uh, we won't be don't, Japan. yeah, we, we won't, won't be. We won't be in Japan. We won't be. No. Uh, another one, a big game I'm really looking forward to. Finally got to, to play all the way through it. And Brad, you are playing it. Mm. Uh, it's your first It's your first Fire Emblem game. First, like, really done. I've screwed around very briefly with, like, the GameCube one. But the, this is the first one you're taking, a, you're, yes. you're going into. Yes. Got it. Nice. Um, and that is Fire Emblem Three Houses. And, uh, Brad, I know you've, you've only played a very bit, little bit of the game. And so I don't want to put too much on you, but, you know, I've had the preview, mm-hmm. I've had the review, I've kind of... Gotten to say a lot of what I want to say about Fire Emblem Three Houses, so I just want to talk about like how do you feel the the opening is like? Do you feel immediately invested? What sort of things do you like? What sort of things do you have uh, questions on? I immediately just thought of Huber and just thought Bonds. Okay, Bonds. Bonds. This is this this Bonds. game has like strong Bond vibes about getting to know these characters. Shit. Of course, the battle it, like it kind of like. <laughs> I'm not super far in, so it's hard for me to tell. Just my first like vibe is like it reminds me of Persona kind of a lot, like talking yeah. to people like through your academy and just learning more about them and like boosting the stat kind of thing with them or like spending time with them than yeah. going out and like fighting on a battlefield to get with them. I'm like, so oh, sick. this is sweet. And there's permadeath, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, well, there I doesn't, have, doesn't I, have to be. So yeah. when you when you start the game, you okay. can choose. I was going to save this for like, the very end, but I, yeah, I okay. this is the one thing I really want to no, know. Let's dig into it. Good. So what? Like, can you save scum this? So you don't you don't have to anymore. Okay. So classic Fire Emblem, a character dies, you lose them. You would you would have to save scum in order to get them back if okay. you want to. But things have been tweaked. So there's now there, you can pick like a difficulty. So you can pick like normal or hard, and that will determine you know the the intensity of battles. Like you know how much how difficult it is to get through a battle. I guess yeah. is the simplest way of saying that. But then there's another option. After that, where you can choose classic or casual. Casual, your characters don't die permanently. Okay. However... I want them to be able to die. I want the stakes. Yes. Well, there's there's a whole other layer now as well that was introduced in Fire Emblem Echoes on 3DS, where even if you choose classic and permadeath is available, you have a new mechanic. Well, from Echoes. Yeah. You have a mechanic where you can rewind time. Okay. And so what that means is you have a limited number of charges and there are things you can do in the game to increase those number of charges mm-hmm. where like let's say a character dies, you can just rewind that and do the turn again and Got and it. reposition them. So okay. even mm. if you have permadeath turned on, there is a way to Here's my work question. around that. Yes. If I want the full experience, mm-hmm. permadeath on and someone dies. Yeah. How detrimental 
is that? Like, will I be well, like? Because I want like I think of Mass Effect. You know, if right. you could like if you could just all of a sudden rewind and like bring him back, like. That's cool. I get that, you know, play how you want to play, you know, if you yeah. don't want that stress. Like, I really want that stress. Yeah. But at the same time, it stresses me out thinking, like, well, dude, what if, like, a couple of my characters die? Like, am I going to be able to progress mm-hmm. in this game or am yeah. I going to get, like, stuck? No, I mean, like, there, there's there's degrees of it, right? Yeah. But there, there's a, it's kind of actually a, a slightly <laughs> difficult question to answer yeah. just because of the structure of this game and the way that the story plays out. So I'll try to answer it the best I can. But, like, in XCOM, for instance. Yeah. When a character dies, it's it's a bummer. Yeah. But I like I don't care about that character that much because it's not like there's this grand story <laughs> surrounding them. Random. The yeah. thing about Fire Emblem Three Houses and what my like one of my absolute favorite things about it is like I legitimately loved everyone in my house and <laughs> felt like oh my gosh like they actually have Dude. a pretty elaborate story going mm-hmm. on and yeah. so I got to a point where once I got to know all of them like if they die it's like I don't want to like the so story like, the story that we're telling I don't want to experience it without them like yeah. they all feel like valuable so you, contributors like, gives you a real sense of pressure to like right. not right. let like, them die like, imagine imagine you're playing Persona 5 and it's just like <laughs> Ryuji's just, dead Ryuji's, like, it would be like that that's yeah. that's how I felt I would reset I yes, would reset yeah, yeah. so there's that but in terms of, of of a mechanical side of it, it's it's a little bit more flexible, especially in something like Three Houses, because it's not like this character has to be your magic user or this character has to be your cavalry user. Mm-hmm. They have preferences, and it'll be easier to Got take it. them down certain paths than others. But because of this whole instruction system, and you're teaching them, and you're slowly building up the skills, you have a lot of flexibility cool, in terms cool. of turning whoever you want to be. And so, like, if you lose your healer, you can just spec I, somebody. Yeah, as, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I when somebody went down, I rewound time. Yeah. But it just based on the flexibility of the system, I feel like you can work around that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and does the to to a certain degree does the story change? Like, if people start dropping uh, there. So there I are. Have no idea yet. The way that it works is like there are conversations that you won't be able to have or like things where like people won't chime in, but like there are there are like your character and like kind got of the leader high. of the house, you'll go into battle and it'll be like, these guys can't die. Like got if they it, die, you it. lose. Okay. So got the, the, it. it's kind of like there's a Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Thank you. But um with the with the rewind time mechanic, I feel like Losing a character is just like it's. I got to a point where I felt like I had so many charges on rewinding oh, time. Okay. Where it's like there's no like cap to it. You can just keep gaining them. Well, th- there is there's a cap, but I'm just saying like I earned enough charges. Whereas like I have way more than I'll yeah. need. Mm-hmm. Um, is is the general sense that I got. Got it. Uh, playing it. Um, cool. So, but yeah, uh, Brad. Going back to you. Mm-hmm. Going back. Going back to the characters. You were talking about bonds. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel it, I guess, even so early into the game where it's like, hey, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm early on and I want to form bonds just because like, I know that's kind of the mechanics of the game and I want to get those stats, I want to get those mm-hmm. support levels up? Or do you, do you feel like even this early on you're actually interested in the characters? I'm actually interested because I think the game kind of like... Uh, kind of like pushes you in that direction to chat with everyone at the very beginning and like get to know your house because they make yeah. it a big deal about like picking your house They're like hey you should get to know everyone from the house so you yeah. like I talked to everybody from every house so I was like okay I got to kind of understand who these characters are you get a brief hint about their personalities there's like the the guy that's like a womanizer in my my house or whatever some redhead yeah. guy I'm like okay and they got like the guy that's like the bodyguard to the like the prince or whatever I'm like yeah. okay this total Huber character yep 
So I'm like, okay, I'm kind of like already invested in their story. They're all pretty likable right yeah. off the bat. Um, I would say even even for Fire Emblem as a series, uh, and and especially for other games, both Japanese and Western, um, you you have three different houses, and so you have a lot of characters, right? And early on, especially, it definitely seems like oh, like this is going to be this trope, like this this character is just going to be kind of like the meathead, and that's that's mm-hmm. how they're going to be. What I was really surprised about with Three Houses is it's easy to start making assumptions of those characters and they do present themselves as that, especially at the beginning. But the more time went on and the more conversations they had with different people in the house and with you, it was like, oh, that's not all they are. And I, and I really love that. I really love that it's not just like, oh, this character is just this trope. Like, at least they're, th- at least the game is trying to give them more depth mm-hmm. or like, they're like, no, like... Yes, this character presents themselves this way, but there's a reason for it. There's mm-hmm. something in their past, or there's something that they're worried about. Or there's something going on with them that is giving them a little bit more. Yeah, like they they definitely hint at like stuff immediately about yeah. that. Like Dimitri, they like hinted at something like yes. immediately, like yeah, a yeah, dark yes. past. I was like, whoa, dude, this guy's yeah. gonna be a Batman. When you when you meet Claude, who is the kind of the head of the Golden Deer. Uh, they say something along the lines of like he has like sadness in his eyes. Yeah, Whoa. <laughs> there's like Whoa. always something yeah. like that. You like yeah. sense something. And it's like what is sad heavy. eyes, dude. Definitely. Um, and what are the three houses? So it's the blue lions, uh, led by Dimitri. Then you have the the black eagles, the burst, uh, led by Edelgard, Edelgard. Um, and then you have the golden deer, led cool. by Claude. Does it kind of give you a little? Yes. So mm-hmm. what, you pick? what happens? Yes. Be, cool. So you. You kind of go through this tutorial batter, bandits attack, and you meet these the, these students, and then they're like, come back to the monastery. And so you come back to the monastery, and they're like, you're going to be a professor here, which is kind of funny how quickly that yeah, happens. Yeah, very fast. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're literally a mercenary yeah. going around. You kill some bandits, <laughs> and then like you become... <laughs> what's, uh, your your what's, father has some history yeah, with the monastery. Yeah, what's your dad's name? Uh, oh, God, what it's is something his name? Something with a J. Anyways, Hubert, you're going to love this guy. I saw this guy. I'm like, oh, this guy's straight out of yeah, Vikings. He is, why can't I remember his name? <laughs> it's like Jarek or something. Geralt? Gibraltar. Gibraltar. Anyways, I just like, Yarr. dude, Hubert's going to love gonna look this, this guy. Up. If Hubert gets to this. I know. I want to play this game. But yeah. Dude, it reminds me of like, uh, you're in, because it reminds me of like Harry Potter, dude. Picking your house, dude, I'm man. I'm getting Harry Potter, Persona, and FF Tactics So vibes. Hubert, the, the, like, the place you hang out at the monastery reminds me of uh, Persona 3 a lot. Like this dormitory you Only, hang out. Yeah, I didn't play Persona 3. But it's like a dormitory. Yeah, it's Geralt. Cool. It's Geralt. Okay, cool. Where there's like the, the, the guys and the girls like in there, and this like reminds me of like the houses are there all by each other. That's a Hogwarts kind of vibe. Sick. Yeah. Which house did you go, Brad? Blue Lions. Blue Lions, it sounds like. It's right. like holy, holy empire, nice. dude, like kings. I was like, hell yeah. Is there, what's the, what's the like Hufflepuffs? What's the, who's the scrappy house? dude, right? Golden Deer? Yeah, it, I mean, there's, there's definitely like. I want the underdogs. The way that I would describe it is like Black Eagles. Edelgard is kind of a Daenerys type figure where mm-hmm. it's like. She very much has this goal in mind and is can be can kind of feel kind of cold about it where she's like, I will do this. Um, Dimitri, I would say, is like very the most nobleman like where he's like Mm -hmm. presenting himself as like, oh, I'm very nice and pleasant. But it seems like there's there's some problems that he's working through in his current situation, some shame that he's harboring. And then there's Claude, who's like kind of this trickster. He's kind of like the happy-go-lucky. Yeah, he's vibe. he's kind of more of the the goofball in the sense yeah. where he's like he's the one that's going to be cracking the jokes. He's the one, but you know he's he's doing that for his own gain at the mm-hmm. same time. And so 
you know, a little, little bit of sweetness, a little bit of sour with all of them, mm-hmm. cool. for sure. Um, but another thing that I want to say about how this, the, the game builds relationships is I always find it frustrating when, like, you know, you get party members together and they just immediately like each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like you've known each other for like five seconds and you're your best friends. You're ready to save the world. Three Houses doesn't do yeah. that really. Where like <laughs> there are characters that really don't like each other. Or it's like, hey, I'm common. I'm a commoner and you're a nobleman and you don't understand my life at all. And like they will express that and they really have to work. And over time, they'll chip away that relationship and come to an understanding. And so when. When they do become best friends, it's like okay, there was there was a path here. It didn't mm-hmm. just happen, uh, and so that's that's really really cool. bonds, bonds, bonds Ryuji bonds. and Morgana, bonds. Yeah, um, Huber, uh, not Huber, Brad. Mm. Visually, what do you what do you think about the game? Five forty p. No, it looks okay. Like, um, I don't have like a ton of context from past uh, Fire Emblem games because I have. I haven't played them in so long. It looks okay. Yeah. I'm not like, when I look at them, I'm like, oh, that's fine. You yeah. Know? I'm like, it's Switch. My expectations are very in check. I'm like, what to expect from a Switch game. Sure. It looks fine. Like, it looks better than Marvel. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, My I favorite really... thing ever is when, what, what game did you stop playing? Xenoblade. Yeah, dude. Xenoblade, the only game I think that's ever done that to me. Yep. Which is best. a shame because it's an awesome game. <laughs> I just couldn't get into it at the time. <laughs> so good. It just hurts Ben because I know he loves Xenoblade. Yeah. I, Xenoblade Chronicles one in particular yeah. is I just is couldn't pretty fantastic. at the time I couldn't like, stand it. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. I I do think the environments in that game just like the, it was, the art design of them. It looked, wasn't even just the environments. Like, it was like the characters and everything, and just yeah. just didn't jive with me at the time. Yeah. No, th- I mean the there moment. are there are yeah. things I mean, in Xenoblade would, that are that are rough. Probably. Like the, the inventory is a mess in that game. But. Yeah, and like. The, yeah, I think I, like, I do think the environment's yeah. spectacular. But um, I played two though. Yeah, Redemption, yeah. kind of. Redemption. Yeah, two and two and one are so different. Yeah, for sure. Oh They're yeah, very different games. But anyway, we're getting a little bit off track. Uh, back to Fire Emblem. Uh, Brad, obviously, you haven't had a chance to experience combat that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything like I like the battle animations. Yeah, the battle animations are are yeah, they're pretty sweet. Yes, it's something that I haven't really gotten to. I haven't brought up, but I do think. Uh, the battle animations for the different weapons, the critical animations mm-hmm. in particular, very, very good. Yeah, they look good, and it's and it's a nice transition. It's like yeah, it's once smooth. you do the attack and you go in, it is very yeah, smooth. Yeah, because yep. like you telling me how it used to be, you would turn them off in past games because it would take so long. Yeah, well, and like Damiani would do that too. Right, like on the 3DS titles, you'd be on this 2D map, and then it would like do this like. And it would transition into 3D, and that okay. got a little bit T- too, too little long. long. Yeah, I think um, this is pretty fast. Yeah, and the fact that you're just you're holding down a button and, and fast forwarding through yeah. them. Yeah, it's. I did eventually turn them off, or or if oh. it was like not an important battle, I would turn them sure. off. But I didn't find them egregious. Uh, sure. In, yeah. In any capacity. Yeah. Um, Brad, I think uh, something a lot of people are worried about is. If you're not that familiar with Fire Emblem or strategy games, is it overwhelming? Is it intimidating? No. no. I don't think it's overwhelming. Yeah. Like, I've played my fair strategy games, but I think the game does a, a, a good enough job easing you into it. I don't know anything about Fire Emblem. Like, the, what I know from Fire Emblem is from Smash. Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm missing out in the world at all. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, if I played the the DS version, I would totally get this kind of thing like that. Yeah. Like, I'm totally fine. Is I don't it, feel like I'm missing anything. Is it like hopping into just a new Final Fantasy? Familiar sights and sounds, but completely new 
story in game? Well, like it's it's kind of like Final Fantasy in the sense where you you run into familiar beats mm-hmm. where it's like just like items that are familiar yeah. or like just kind of the general flow of combat I guess is familiar. But yeah, totally new mm-hmm. world, storyline, characters, all that. And that's actually something that I do did I do want to bring up. Like I think Fire Emblem is is actually like so incredibly easy to get into. Yeah. Um, especially now like with the rewind mechanic and, and all of that stuff. Like And there's normal and hard and classic and there's casual. normal and hard. There's normal I think. and hard, yeah. yeah. And then you yeah. and then you do classic yeah. and casual. Got yeah. it, got it, got it. Um and it's I I don't know if this would really be a spoiler, but I actually think the new game plus is really really cool. Nice. Um, and love a good new without, game. Without without maybe giving too much away, once you get into New Game Plus, you can like you have this currency basically where you can spend it to kind of get put yourself ahead more quickly. And so mm. that's just kind of fun. Where it's yeah, just, oh cool hey, I've already thing. done this. I can if I want to keep playing or experience you know a different side of the story. Yeah, I can just do that more yeah. easily. So. Uh, I really appreciate how this game's not split up into like three different games or two yes. like their past game. Yes, it's like thank God, man. Yeah, don't make me buy two of them or whatever. Yeah, and Brad, that was actually like kind of a a, a thing that I ran into with Fire Emblem Fates, where I I started with Birthright. And there were definitely things I liked about Birthright, but I felt kind of like lukewarm on it as a whole. Mm-hmm. Like it just. It just wasn't that exciting to play through in terms of story and in terms of like map design and, sure, and challenge yeah. and all that stuff. And then like Conquest was so much better, but it was weird being like, oh man, I wish I would have played this first and like having it. A... So it's it's nice in Three Houses where I kind of feel like no matter what you pick, you're going to get a really solid experience. Yeah. And then if you want more, it'll be fun jumping yeah. out and experiencing it. Oh, got to buy another game for dude. sure. Yeah, definitely. Do that with Pokemon. Pokemon. Do that with po- just put them all in one. Yeah, it's yeah, Pokemon. it's different because like, like it'll never happen. But yeah, it's I different with Pokemon because like it's not dramatically changing the story. But just give me all those Pokemon, baby. In, in the just give me way. all in one. Yeah, um, Pokemon. Guys, end game. Every Pokemon ever. I want to talk about something that has just been delightful. Um, and I was playing it when it first came out, and then I was playing it um, the day after 14? as well. No, I wish. I wish. Yeah, I wish, man. <laughs> 14, me playing 14 comes up every time, and it's just like, that would be cool. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. But uh, it's not happening right now. But no, the, the Dragon Quest Hero came out in Smash, dude. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. get to play dude, Yeah. And, um, <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, obviously, I was really excited about it, but actually getting hands-on with it and playing it, I, I, I felt kind of giddy. Because I was like, oh my god, I can't believe they did it this way. And what I really love about the design of the hero is it's it's like they tried to fit as much Dragon Quest in as they possibly could. That's with obvious stuff like you being able to pick uh, four different protagonists from four different games. Um, but also in the different skins where it's like, obviously there's a reference to this, there's a reference to that. But the moveset, man, the moveset is so cool. This is such a weird character. He's so weird. So obviously he has uh, a sword and then he has special moves that he can do um, that he can charge up. Does so, he have some old classics? Like- yeah, so you, like your basic special, neutral special move you can charge up is Frizz. Cool. And mm. like you get different levels of it as you charge it up and then when it's at maximum level it's this giant fireball that leaves a trail of fire on the Ka-frizz? ground. Frizz? Mm. Yeah. Uh, is it- Yeah, I forget what it was called. Sizzle? Sizzle? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. is it- I think Sizzle's different. 
I think Sizzle is a group. Yeah. No, yeah, Sizzle is a group. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You, Sizz, you have that Sizz, one too? So, Sizz, okay, we'll get to it. Dude! But you have you have Frizz, which you can charge up, then you have Zap, which you can charge up, and that's that's really cool because you get like a like a Pikachu uh, thunder mm-hmm. effect, but he also, if you charge it all the way up, does like this slash uh, that you get, and then uh, you get Whoosh, which will which allows you to recover. It has You can actually recover pretty well from it, but you can charge all these things up, and that's yeah. cool, but like kind of... Things that you've seen before with other characters. What really makes the hero unique is when you hit down B, you get a le- random list of spells. And they all do completely different things. So, like, one of them is Sizz that you can just throw out there. And some of them that are basic. Awesome. So, you get, mm-hmm. like, a heal. Um, and then there's, like, Psych Up, which you can also just pick from the menu and Psych use. Psych Up, man. Yes. Dude. Um, Does that have tears? Psyching psych- Up? No, there's, there's, so, <laughs> the way, the the way that it works, age. there's oomph, which will increase your Damage. attack, mm-hmm. but then psych up, it'll be like, okay, this will just greatly increase the attack of your next move, I believe is how it works. Dude, it's it's so a cool. little hard keeping and a little straight, just yeah. because there are so many spells, but yeah, I believe oomph is, you will get damage, increased damage for a number of time, and then it's just like, psych up is just your next attack. That's so great. Yes. Yeah, which, that is cool. You know, obviously, like, yeah. psych up in Dragon Quest yeah. Eight. Working that way, Too but cool. um, we yeah. live in a world when this is just like business as usual. Oh, right. Dragon Quest in uh, Smash, cool. Um, business as usual, but but the reason I think it's so exciting is it just kind of leads to moment. Like it's it's actually hard to do in the in the frantic nature of a Smash battle. It's hard to like get the exactly the spell that you want because when you hit down B, you don't know what what your options mm-hmm. are going to be. And sometimes it's just like, I'm going to hit down B and pick the first thing that comes up. And then you have something like Hocus Pocus, where it's like, this could be good or bad. I might turn giant, or I might, like, fall asleep. I don't know. And uh, I I love that, especially when you're not trying to take it too seriously and you're Mm -hmm, just competing. mm -hmm. I feel like there are so many, like, crazy moments. Like, you have Kamikaze where, like, you will lose a stock, but if you hit your opponent... They will lose a stock, uh, very likely. So, my style. Yeah, it's just it's just really chaotic and fun, and it's like there is no other character I can think of in Smash that is operating like this. It feels very true to Dragon Quest and the wide list of spells that are available. And it's like they could have just done like super basic shit. Like his down B could have just been like a counter, flame and then slash, you get, miracle yeah, slash. Yeah, and then you like, just get you just get like fire and electricity and yeah. wind, and like that'd be fine. And yes, that would be true to Dragon Quest, but this feels like a way better implementation. Um, that that speaks, I think, to some of the quirkier aspects of the series in a really cool way. What's his alt? His alt. Yeah, his, this is final smash. Oh, his final. So it's Giga Slash. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. Giga Slash. A A L T, not U L T. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Giga Slash. Yeah, so it's Giga yeah, Slash. So Giga that's Giga Gash. Giga Gash. That's yeah. really cool because uh, you get you get all of the heroes from all the Dragon Quest. It's kind of like a Mega cool. Man style. Cool, cool, cool. Where they all come. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you get everybody together, and they're all like, that's yeah. Sick, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see everybody. Um, Dude. Yeah. I'm gonna play this. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's really fun. And the there's so moving on, I guess. Uh, beyond the hero and his moveset as well. I feel like I could just keep talking about it and how cool the implementation is. But the stage is really neat as well. So it's Idrisil's altar. And it's just a really cool stage where it's like you start at kind of the, the base and then it lifts up and it rotates around and you're going around the world tree and you see the giant whale. You see <laughs> a village in the background. A slime will come out and pop up. Uh, the, taunt, the, the taunts are also really good. One of the taunts is like him trying to like move around a slime, uh, which is really cool. And 
yeah, so the stage is just gorgeous, and it's nice like that the background keeps kind of changing, and you're yeah. seeing a variety of things. Is it the music the, the theme? Uh, you get you, there's there's a variety. I actually that's one thing going into this conversation that I wish I had a better handle on is I haven't I I should have gone to the see seen all the music that is in, but I've just been kind of playing. Yeah, and so I'm not like there's there's a variety of Dragon Quest music. Cool. I'm not sure how much there is or what they're specifically pulling from. Mm, but cool. so I need to look at that and Sweet. just go into the. I'm sure the main theme is used. Yeah, because yeah. they use it every time, every for, chance they get. Every like gra- Dragon Quest trailer is that song. <laughs> um. But beyond that, though, the classic mode is really, really cool. Um, and they've they've done a great job with that in classic mode, obviously referencing the series. But, like, the final fight that you do in classic mode and just starting out, and you just have, like, a bunch of different colored Kirbys acting as, like, there's, there's stand-ins for slime. And, it, like, cool. it being the first battle yeah. that you do, it's just like, oh, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a great way to do it. And so it's just it's just really fun to, to mess around with. Um, and, like, at one point, man, you just fight Rathalos as the hero from Dragon Quest. Yes. And, like, I had that moment where I was like, I'm on a hunt as a as a Dragon Quest protagonist <laughs> fighting Rathalos, yeah. mm-hmm. throwing Deku nuts to serve as flash bombs to stun the Rathalos so I can do, go in and do, like, you know, a Dragon Quest spell on him. It's really cool. It's and too it's just, cool. It's just a great celebration. So the other thing that you can do um, with DLC heroes, is, and you can do this with Joker as well, um, is you can go and do spirit challenges. And so basically it's like, hey, do this fight. There'll be some unique thing about this fight. Um, And you'll get a spirit as a result. And then they increase in difficulty. So like some spirits are stronger than others. But like for Dragon Quest, for example, you are basically fighting all of the playable characters in Dragon Quest XI. And it's like this gauntlet of, of a fight. So you're fighting on an individual stage. You start out, you're you're fighting one stand-in for a party member, then it just you, it keeps building, and it's actually like really challenging hmm. and fun to do. And so, I think overall, what I'm trying to say is like they didn't just throw this character into a game, and and they didn't make him like all of the other sword characters that are already so dominant in Smash. It's like they took their time to like implement the hero in a way that feels like they really love Dragon Quest. Oh yeah, and it's like I'm not just playing this. Because I want to play Smash, I'm playing this because I enjoy Dragon Quest, and mm-hmm. this feels like a fun outlet for that as a fan. Awesome. Yeah, that's um, great. So that's really, really cool. Is this the last character? How no. many more characters are coming? There's, no. There's, there's Banjo. Well, Banjo's coming. Banjo's coming. And then I don't know how many more after maybe that. two more? Two okay. or one, yeah, okay. I believe. Waluigi. Last mm. last character. Well, I don't think it'll be yeah. Waluigi, but that'd be incredible. I feel like Geralt would be a really good fit, too. I know he's been like guest starring in like what feels like every game now, but... Hey, I think possible. he'd be a good fit. Still holding out for Solaire. Uh, they did a great job with him in Soul Calibur 6, man. Yeah. They really did. They crushed it. Still cool. waiting for Solaire. Man, um, Dragon Quest. Like, I just, I feel like this whole thing is just, I mean, from my perspective, like, for me, too, like, kind of taking it for granted, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, I really need to just stop and think, like, dude, Dragon Quest and, and Smash, like, together. You know, it is such a big thing, but I just think because of the era we are in right now when there's so many crossovers and dreams are happening, dreams so are saying, a reality. You're saying just because the crossovers are happening so much, like, this doesn't... It, it, doesn't, it feel doesn't feel as, as crazy. It doesn't feel as special as I think it really is. Mm-hmm. Like, this so, is a really, really cool collaboration. Yeah, and I think that's something, I, you know, 
obviously everybody's busy, do what you can. Mm -hmm. But I think that was kind of the process that I went through where it's like I was looking forward to it. I knew I was going to check it out. But then and even even hearing me describe it, I don't I don't think like really sums it up as well. Like you are going to be giddy. Like there there are there are going to be moments where you're like, oh, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so even even if you only get to play him for like a half hour, an hour or something, I think you'll take away a lot from it for sure. Um, and yeah, uh, one last question. Uh, so Smash, Smash is one of those games, like many games, where like every time I'm playing, I'm like, why am I not playing this all the time? Like yeah. I enjoy it so much. I love. We try to. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. How do you feel, both of you, about Smash Ultimate? You know, now that it's been out for a while, like has has your opinion on it changed? Has like. Do you feel more of a drive to go back to it, less of a drive? Uh, Smash, for me, I much prefer to play with just, like, local with people. Like, I don't like yeah. playing Smash really that much by myself, so I don't play it that much by myself. But, like, I feel really good about this Smash. I think it's the best, obviously, the best roster that it had because it's the same. Yeah. I feel good about it. I don't look back on it like I look back on the Wii one or anything like that. I'm just like, eh, it was okay. But I feel really good about this one right now and just... Cast is just blowing me away. Yeah. yeah. Um, I played a lot of... I played. I actually played a lot of 64, Melee, Brawl. I didn't play as much Smash 4, and I, like, I've enjoyed all of them. Yes. And it's you always doubt yourself because, you know, it's like the new one. But I, I really feel like, despite how much I've enjoyed past Smash games, I feel like Ultimate is my favorite well, one. Well, to me, it felt like, you know, when we went from Melee to Brawl, like, right. to me, I felt like Melee's still, like, more superior, I'd feel like, mechanic-wise. Yeah. But, like, I just love Brawl because it's just fun. Right, right. And, like, there's 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 a ton in Melee. There's a ton of great stages. Like, for the time, I think yeah. its roster is pretty good. But the thing about, like, mechanically Melee being superior, yeah. and, like, the speed is obviously there yes. and you can feel it. But, like, I was never able to do a lot of, like, the upper tier things. So I was never able to appreciate the game in that mm -hmm. way other than, like, watching people do it. And so I think just in terms of, like, roster, mechanics, mm -hmm. um, everything else, like Smash Ultimate, like, I just never get sick of playing yeah. it, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, for me, I just play Smash for the characters. Yeah. So it has the most, therefore it's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not good yeah. enough to, like, really I dive do. into, like, the nitty-gritty mechanics. Yeah. I think or... the character implementation's been better, too, as mm -hmm. they've yeah. gone on, like you said, with the hero, like, his mechanics tying into the game's a lot better. Yeah. Like, I think Cloud tied in pretty well for, like, at the time what they're doing with that. <gasps> so yeah. cool. Like, I can't wait to see, like, Banjo's moveset is and stuff like that. Yeah. We'll see Geralt versus Cloud, dude. <laughs> Swords clashing. Swords clashing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Sekiro in there. <laughs> Brad... Uh, a game that we have started together. We're, we're, we want to play through it together, but we've just been... We got it very late. We got access to it very late, and then Easy Living came up, and oh, then yeah, yeah, things yeah. keep coming up. It keeps it keeps getting pushed, uh, but that is Wolfenstein Youngblood. Right, right. Um, I, I wouldn't say I have mixed feelings about this game, but it's kind of a weird game <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yes. I could totally see that. To me, it hasn't really like excited me exactly. in any way. I'm just like, exactly. okay, like that's just like, it, I mean, it's there's nothing like wrong with it necessarily that I've experienced so far. Like we're not right. super far in. We are not, super but I'm like far not in. blown away. I'm yeah. not like super engaged in it or anything like that, which is kind of a shame because Wolf Inside is such a story driven game. But like we're not far, like I said. But uh, 
I'm just like, meh. Like, I don't really like the mechanic of switching weapons that much. Yeah. I feel like it doesn't lend itself too well to Wolfenstein. Like, I think in Doom it works better, like, switching weapons really fast. But in Wolfenstein, like, switching a weapon to use against, like, armor, I feel like it isn't as fluid. To me, it just kind of feels more clumsy. Yeah, I, it hasn't bothered me that much, but I agree with you. There have just been times where it's like, okay, this this type of bullet against this type of armor would be really effective. I don't have ammo for that type. And Ugh. so it's like, okay, I feel like I'm doing almost nothing to this enemy. And so yeah. that that's when it gets to be a little bit of a bummer. Um, I do really like the Blazkowicz daughters. Yes. I, I, I think their characterization is, is really fun, but... To me, they're just like goofy teenagers. Yeah, and they I think are. it shows. They're definitely goofy yeah. teenagers. But <clears throat> I don't know. I I wonder if, like, because it's a co-op game, mm-hmm. there have definitely been times where it's like, okay, we're gonna try to sneak. But because there's two of us, it's easier to get found. And so, like, every yeah. time we try to sneak, it just like immediately turns into to a, a firefight. Fight. Yeah, and. Part of me just want, and you can play the single player, admittedly, but part of me just wonders if, like, this would have been better as a single player game where you could have a few more options mm-hmm. and, like, it wouldn't be as hard to coordinate things. And, like, it's cool that there are, like, boxes where only the two of you yeah. can open them up, or, like, it does the co op thing where it's like, hey, to get past this door, I gotta hit it. And it's like, oh, come on, Brad, let's go over and open this door. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, that's fine, but. It just feels like it kind of slows things down yeah. in a way where it's like, okay, like I'm gonna go to this door, and then you need to go and you need to find the code. Yeah, there hasn't been just... anything really yet where I'm like, dude, that was super rad because it was right. co-op. Right. And so it feels like it's just kind of taking Wolfenstein and then applying a pretty by the numbers co-op thing. Mm. Uh, however, what I will say though is like, much much like Wolfenstein Two, you can still go down pretty quickly. Yeah. It's not. It's not like Holy it's a, yeah. Yeah. God, yeah exactly. that game was so much harder than yeah, I was yeah. anticipating. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not. It's not <laughs> a complete cakewalk. But... No. Um. Tell me. If, enlighten me, Ben. Tell okay. me if this is. Tell me if you think this is a fair criticism. Okay. Saw some criticisms that just kept comparing it to Wolfenstein Two. Yeah. Is it? F- now I know it's the next game. But it's it's this weird co-op spin-off mm-hmm. that's only thirty dollars. It's on a full sixty, so it's half the price. It's a spin-off. It's co-op. But every negative thing I just keep seeing is like, well, it's not as good as two. Well, it's not as good as two. Well, it didn't reach the heights of two. I'm not as emotional as I was in Wolfenstein. You know, everyone was just like harping on like it's not as good. It's not as good. It's not as good. Do you think that's a that's fair to compare and criticize it for that, or should we be treating it as its own? Weird thing. Here's what I think it comes down to, Huber. Yeah. It's about conditioning your audience. Um, and what I mean by that is with New Order and then especially uh, New, New Colossus, Colossus. It's, sometimes it's hard to remember those titles, <laughs> yeah, but New Order and then New Colossus. Yeah. What, what they did is they were like, this is strictly a single-player game, and we're going to go really hard on the story. And that, that, that that's especially, too, it is a super serious game. Yeah. It is. And... With Youngblood, it seems like they're still trying to tell a pretty serious story. Not Maybe not as serious as 2, mm-hmm. but you're going from this very story-driven single-player experience to this co-op experience, and it's just like... It's throwing you off a little bit because, like, you're trying to care about the story, but then you're, like, talking to your friend on the headset, yeah, and so I it's know. like... Not that that's a bad thing, but it's just like... 
Okay, I was coming to Wolfenstein to really pay attention to the story. It's harder to pay attention to the story now because of this new thing, and it's harder to, like, play this the way that I used to play Wolfenstein. So it's like, it's not that any of this is bad on its own. It's just you've kind of grown to expect a certain thing (laughs) from Wolfenstein, especially when it's using the same characters in the same world. I think it would be different if... This wasn't called Wolfenstein. You wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't have those expectations constantly fighting against you. And it's not like bad because it's different, but it it is sometimes it's hard to when you're conditioned to expect something a certain way mm-hmm. to kind of just move away from that. Yeah, I wonder cuz like you know, they they went in this completely different route and I remember yeah. when Old Blood came out, which mm-hmm. was the prequel, right. which was so sick. Yeah. But then I remember those criticisms were like it's the same thing, just not as good. <laughs> it's it's right. always just yeah. like, uh, it, and can't... now they tried something different, and it's right. like, well, it's yeah. not that. So it's it's here's <laughs> what I'll say, Hubert, is to me they treated this like a much bigger deal than old than blood. Old blood. Yeah. Like old blood was just like here it is, quietly felt, like, felt like DLC, a little expansion. But like even, they're yeah. treating this like how they've treated like presented it as like a full like the next yeah. big Wolfenstein game. So higher expectations. I don't I don't want to mischaracterize the way that I feel about this game because when we're playing it, Brad, I'm having a yeah, good time. Yeah, we're having fun playing it. But I think that lack of excitement is also there where it's like I'm having a good time because it's like a solid co-op experience, but it just doesn't feel as unique as something like Wolfenstein 2. It mm-hmm. did, where it's like this game has a super weird identity. The identity of Youngblood doesn't feel as strong. Mm. And that's I'm still having a good time. Um, but it's just not like st- registering with me as hard. And I, I think about Resident Evil 5. Um, and I think Resident Evil 5 is kind of a brilliant game to bring up because Resident Evil 5, in my opinion, is awesome. It is an awesome game. I had a blast playing it with a friend. We played it in like two sittings. We loved it. But it's because we were able to detach ourselves. I think especially when you compare it directly to Resident Evil 4, I think a lot of the complaints and frustrations around Resident Evil 5 make a lot of sense. Where, like, Resident Evil 4, especially being this huge, pivotal game that it was, like, Resident Evil 5... Resident Evil 5 is not even remotely a scary game. No. It's 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 not. I'm sorry. No. Like there are moments of tension for sure, but it, it the flavor of it is so different. And I think when you've been conditioned by Resident Evil 4 and especially the past Resident Evil games, it can be a hard thing to accept. And so I think those criticisms are very valid where it's like this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it just doesn't feel as special anymore. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I think that's why something like Resident Evil 7 does so well and is so universally beloved where it's like you did go in a new direction, but you carried the identity with you. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I think is. a lot of the big identity in Resident Evil is going in alone. And when you're with a buddy going through a game together, it's going to be 100% less scary. Yeah. Like you will not be terrified. The yeah. tension will be reduced heavily. Totally. And I, and I think that's the weird thing about Youngblood is like the, the two Blaskowitz daughters are kind of goofy. But then when you get done with a mission and it's like, okay, time to like really pay attention to the story, yeah. it feels a little weird. Like it's like going, it's presenting the story like, like Wolfenstein 2. Super serious. Right. And so mm-hmm. it, I, I almost wonder if it would be better if it just went like full goofball and mm-hmm. like didn't have those interstitial cutscenes, like just kept things moving a little bit more. I, I, I don't know. It's, mm. 
I'm not certain that any of these things would solve the problems. Yeah. Just trying to, hmm. to theorize. Yeah, it's kind of hard for me to feel tension in the game when we're going like, hell yeah, dude, and yeah. like doing yeah. this to each other, like yeah. thumbs up. And yeah. like, yeah. it's cool because I, I like it because they're sisters and they have a bond like that. But it's just like hard for me to be afraid. Yeah. Like, I also really yeah. respect the idea that they tried to mess with their progression system because that's something I've despised yeah. in the Wolfens- in Wolfenstein 1 and 2. Like, forcing you to play, play a, certain a certain way to get those skill points when now... But I've heard really bad things about this progression too. So I, but at least they like tried something different. To I want to talk up. about the progression system, and I feel yeah. this way in any like in almost any game that does this. Um, like it's it's not the end of the world. I can get over it. But so early you you get like these 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 points these coins that you can spend on progression where it's like okay you need one point to get this skill you need five points to get this skill so on and so forth. Early on, there are like a couple of things where it's like, hey, you got a new skill point, you can spend it on this thing. That's great. But then you get to a point where it's like, hey, Brad, did you spend any of your skill points? You're like, no, I only have two and I need like five. five. <laughs> and like, I, I hate that because then you just forget about it. And then it's like, it, it eliminates the excitement of getting that skill point in the first place where it's like, oh, cool, I got it. Like, I'll have to do this two more times to even get a new well, ability. Well, and it's because it was for the cloak ability, that which you started with. Yeah. So Ben would, like, go off in stealth, and I was just kind of, like, hanging around right. waiting for him to, like, get caught or clear out the way for me to come in. Right, and it's like, if I'm Brad wants to do that, around, yeah, he needs, like, three, like, so he's got to kind of save up, and so you don't get that immediate sense of progression mm. that I think maybe you would want. Hmm. Um, yeah, from a game like that, like I don't want to grind in that game forever. Right. Right. I don't think that's what that game's about. I'm not playing Destiny here. Yeah. yeah, either just like get rid of the progression altogether, or like I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, Wolfenstein Three. Yeah, and there's there's not a lot of like, and this is a super nitpicky thing, but there's not a lot of like celebration when you level up. Like there, there, like you, you have to like specifically stop what you're doing in a co-op game, go into this menu and. And do it where, like, I don't know. I it it kind of messes with the flow mm-hmm. sometimes. Oh yeah, I think because then because then you could also upgrade weapons as well, and mm-hmm. so yeah, it's it's to take a bit. Yeah, like going through everything. Yeah, and I, I heard it's like twenty or thirty hours or something. Good lord, great. maybe for I, everything. I, how long to beat it? And it said like ten ish. Okay, so. maybe that's okay. just everything. I was man. like, is that really necessary? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's like, come on, man. you know, take take all of these opinions, I guess, with a grain of salt because we're definitely still very we haven't on. finished the game, and I don't know when we're going to be able to get back to it. To be honest Sport, with you, but yeah, yeah. Cla- uh, I'm to end on a high note. Yeah, I was just because I was looking into Youngblood the other day because yeah. there was a copy lying around. I want to get to it and play with a buddy of mine. I was just like looking at machine games and id, and but I was just looking at like. Wolfenstein franchise and Doom franchise Mm -hmm. and how long those franchises have lasted, how they have adapted to modern gaming and just like how they're both Youngblood aside, like they're both in such a great place and it's 2019. Like I never would have thought as a kid, like that we'd be now, you know, it's just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so cool. Wolfenstein and Doom, dude. Doom Eternal is coming. Yes, yeah. Doom Eternal. Dude, you like open up the real. you open up the Wolfenstein box and there's like Doom Eternal right there. It's like yeah. <laughs> oh, demons. Um, so Huber. Yes. Uh, there was the, nobody actually said anything that got us caught in a frame trap <gasps> this time, but oh. you you did a gesture that Hands did up. that did trigger the caught in a frame trap. So when I was talking about. 
Resident Evil 5, yes. you went back and did this, and that actually immediately, like, magnet summons the demons. Oh. So th they're, like, on you right now, no. and you just can't see or feel them. It's like germs. Yeah. Conjuring, uh, dude. Wash up. For our cut in a frame trap this time, we are bringing back an old, I don't know if it's a classic or a favorite, but old we're bringing classic. it back. Yeah. We're going to do real or fake. Oh, and I love Real or Fake. Yeah. Th thank you, Brad. This is fun. Um, These are the kind of games I like. Yeah. But playing Shrek on the original Xbox <laughs> with you guys was oh. uh, a trip, and I didn't even see all of it, but... Um, you didn't miss much. Yeah. Shrek games are, get, have weird titles, man, mm. and so this Real or Fake, you're going to have to tell me if this, if this Shrek game actually exists or if it doesn't. Okay. So the first to say Real or Fake, if you're right, you will get a point on the board. Okay. Uh, are we ready to go? Yeah. I think we're just going to go yes. right into it. All right. So the first real or fake Shrek game. Number one, Shrek colon fairy tale freak down. It's got to be fake. Yeah, I'd say it's fake. That's real. Neither of oh. you get a point. Fairy fa fa Shrek fairy tale freak down DS. is a real game. Mm, gotta be DS. I should have. I didn't put the platform for all of these. I think Shrek Fairy Tale Freakdown sounds like is, a GameCube game. I think it's a Game Boy Advance game. I'm okay. not sure though. I'm not sure. <laughs> Fun fact: received a 0.5 from Game Informer. Wow! <laughs> it just had that like like there was a list of games and it just had like an annotated note on Wikipedia like they, 0. 0.5. Wow! Yeah, Shrek Fairy Tale Freakdown is is did real. it like blow up in their Game Boy or something? It's 0.5. It's crazy. The next wow. one, Shrek Extra Large. Fake. That sounds real. Huber's on the board. Damn. It's real. It is a port of the original Xbox game oh, for the GameCube. God dang it. That's the one that we yeah, were talking the about the whole time. superior version yeah, with Donkey. donkey dude. Shrek Extra Large. Number three, Shrek 2 Beg for Mercy. That's fake. fake. That is real. Beg no, Beg for Mercy, mercy dude! <laughs> Shrek 2. What? Beg for Mercy. It's a Game Boy Advance game that stars Puss in Boots, I believe. Beg for Mercy. <laughs> Shrek 2. I thought that Beg was like a WWE for game. Mercy. What the hell? Yep. <laughs> I told you these were weird, man. God. All right. Number four. We have to tell Kyle about that yeah. one, dude. Shrek wreaking havoc. That's I'm just say real. real. I'm going to give you both a point. Like, I'm going to believe anything's real at this yeah. point. Number five, last one, Shrek farting up the wrong tree. Fake. fake. That is fake. Okay. okay. I'm going to give you both a point. <sighs> farting up the wrong tree. That was a title that I just made up. I cannot believe <laughs> But, like, it could be for real. Mercy. Big for Shrek real. Two. Big for Shrek Mercy. Shrek 2. <laughs> is that rated for Mercy. Is that rated M? No. It's going to be a hard E. Here, I'm going to show e for you everyone. Shrek 2. Beg for mercy. Just for teen at least. That it is real. My Look at and it starts. It doesn't even start Shrek. It starts Puss in Boots. Shrek to beg for mercy. Rated E. Dude. Rated E. Exclamation mark. Is that? It's been so long now. Is that Puss in Boots like catchphrase or something? Beg for mercy. I don't know. I don't know, man. Don't hey, ask Puss me in about Boots, Shrek though. lore. Yeah, Puss in Boots was fun at That's the time. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't know how it holds up. But All right. True. True. Uh, so Huber. You you won three to two on the Shrek real or fake. You are gonna have to break us out of this frame trap. I would I'd actually prefer if you could do like some Shrek oriented breakout. And I'm gonna give you some time to think about it because this wonderful game was brought to you by some lovely sponsors. Mm. Our first sponsor is Greg the Dark Knight Kettering. Thank you, Greg. Mm. Next we have Zoteg. 
Do you play Final Fantasy XIV? Are you in the Crystal Data Center? Search at Zotig, that is X-O-T-I-G, on Twitter for a link to an Easy Aid Crystal Discord server. Thank you, Zotag. Next, we have JoJo's Deco. After that, we have Accounts Payable, who, uh, as always, would, will give us a free shout-out to anything. Brad, is there anything you want to shout-out? Uh, shout-out to... Squall. Squall. <laughs> shout-out, Squall. Nice. I just think of, like, dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, yeah. dot, dot. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. Next we have Gift of Heaven. Gift of Heaven is a free 3DS RPG which strives to be as funny as Earthbound, efficient as Chrono Trigger, and epic as Final Fantasy VI. Gift of Heaven quadruples every data limit of RPG Maker FES using passwords to unite four game files as one bold explosion. O.M. Huckstelter is cooking up the rip-roaring, full-blast, Tolkien, Potter, Forrest, Gump, Cobble Meal, You Deserve to Eat, and them Huckstelters don't skimp on the shrimp. Gift of Heaven's 43-minute promotional short film, Symphonia Anathema, is now available on the official Gift of Heaven YouTube channel. You can download the prologue August 7th via the RPG Maker FES 3DS app. Crunch time is here, and the pain is brutal. I must Ooh. keep reminding myself that I am on a holy mission. I want to change the world, but more importantly, I seek the Hall of Greats. Uh, next, we have a brand new sponsor. Uh, oh. This is this sponsor is Rob Bob Will, who would like to promote the Scleroderma Foundation, which is a qualified national nonprofit whose primary goal is to raise funds for their threefold mission of support, education, and research. Scleroderma is a rare chronic connective tissue disease, most commonly characterized by, harden by hardening of the skin. The foundation has 20 active chapters and 160 support groups across the U.S. Find out more at a link in the description. Hmm. And... We have another news. We have two new sponsors this, uh, this episode. Alex AI, actually a returning sponsor. Mm. Thank you, Alex AI. Looking for a fun NES game with a memorable soundtrack? Check out Shatterhand, Soul Brain in Japan, and support the Allies. Mm. But we're not done. Oh, shoot. Let's we go. have the mega sponsor, ViewSonic. You probably know ViewSonic as the California-based company that's been one of the world's leading monitor providers for the past 30 years. Now with ViewSonic Elite, they're bringing gamers an expansive line of professional gaming monitors. Whether you want to play like the pros on the esports stage or become immersed in the action set in front of you, ViewSonic Elite has you covered with a range of powerful specs and minimalist designs that are a tasteful addition to any modern PC setup. Learn more about ViewSonic Elite, new product releases, and upcoming giveaways on social media by following at ViewSonic Gaming or visiting ViewSonic.com slash Elite. Huber. It is time. Are you ready to break us out of the frame trap? Yeah, I'm ready. Donkey! Get us out of here! He got us out. All right, Shrek. I <laughs> Kicks it. Huber, I was going to say something like whether or not he got us out. I like that you just like put the... <laughs> he got us out. Yeah, yeah the pin in it. He, he did get us out. Yeah, He's a professional. Us. That's yeah. good. The donkey would, would leave no one Teleportation. Uh, Huber... It is time to talk about a game. And I, man, I love this. It's always like one of my favorite things in Frame Trap. When somebody brings something, I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is. Yes. What is 1980X? I'm so pumped to talk about this with you guys. Yeah, I don't know what this is I'm either. I'm so friggin' excited, guys. Last night, I played this last night, one sitting. It's an hour long, an hour and a half. N normally, we Ten don't bucks. get that, that privilege. Guys, this game hit me last night. I was feeling this so hard. Okay, the reviews are a little little weird, but I think that has to do with expectations. So this was a Kickstarter game. Mm -hmm. It's been going for a while now. And again, it's an hour long. So before we even dive in, I can imagine kind of like this, this, uh, maybe some disappointment if you were 
kickstarting a game for a couple years and then finally it comes hour. out and it's like an hour hour and a half yeah um but this is a game it's it is a love letter nod it's a nod to to video games to our youth it is wrapped in nostalgia and there's just this melancholy vibe to the whole thing uh you're in kind of this cyberpunky again it's called 1980x so you're in kind of this reality and you are the kid and they like it's got a retro look so it's got it's it's super retro looking and basically the game is she's living in the city some tragedy went down and they find escape in video games you know Mm. so it's you play the whole the way you play the game is just retro games so it's like there'll be cutscenes in the real world like kind of you know kind of like still animation and kind of just like like those old kind of 16 bit mm-hmm. like you know when you beat like uh, streets of rage or something mm-hmm. it kind of looks like that vibe you know um so for example like one of the first ones is you walk down and see an arcade machine and it's like you know, staring at the arcade machine and then all of a sudden you're playing that game and it's a classic beat-em-up that feels so good. There's a beat-em-up. There's a shoot-em-up. The shoot-em-up feels so good. Uh, There's a game like Outrun. So there's like four or five, I think there's five games in here. They they don't last very long. Remember, the whole game is a little over an hour. Um, And... That's maybe a point of criticism too. Is like when the game starts getting going, all right, it's over. Mm-hmm, you know, right. the beat 'em up. The, like the criticisms are like limited moves, limited enemy types. Right. So like every is game it just ends like up one stage from all these different genres. A couple stages. A couple stages. A couple stages okay. Yeah. So the beat 'em up is like a couple stages. Got it. You know, you can pick up like a bat. Mm-hmm. Just it, everything feels so great. The visuals and the mood and the vibe is really what I want to drive home. I mean, I, like, play this game at night, put your headphones on, and just get lost in the nostalgia and the love of video games. That's it. That's really all I got to say about this game. Hour, hour and a half, 10 bucks. Sign cool. in. J- drop in. So 1980X. Platinum trophy, too. Hard, hard platinum, Whoa. but a ton of, like, easy golds. <laughs> <laughs> no, Selling I only care about the platinum. Baby. Yeah, true, true, true. Well, no, those goats help. Those goats the, help. Those, those. Uh, it's not about the score, baby. It's about the little platinum number going. See, I'm up. complete. I'm complete opposite. I'm, I'm volume. Play as many games as possible. Get as yeah. many trophies as I mean, possible. I do, but <laughs> the platinum. You can't beat the platinum. What if, dope. What if the world ends and <laughs> like our overlord? Values us based on our the, our trophies. Will we survive? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Um, so talking about 1980X, I think like here where this idea sounds really, really cool. I have yeah. a couple of concerns. Yes. So dipping into 1980s nostalgia is like definitely a popular thing. Mm-hmm. It has been for quite some time. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't know. I, I, I worry that I'd be like, this this is cool, but I feel like there's been a lot of this recently, so sure. it's not as special. Uh, ben, I think because of the quality of the games, cool. like the beat 'em up and stuff, like cool. you're gonna you you guys will be like, Yeah, dude, yeah. Like nice. all the games feel incredible. 
Nice. There's no real weak link. Like these games feel great. They're just really, 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 really short. They're and not limited. just doing like the aesthetic of the yeah. thing. They're really nailing the feel of it. Yeah. And I think that's important. It makes you appreciate it so much more. Totally. And the animations yeah. and again, just the mood. I mean, things get a little melodramatic. Like I was it was pretty jarring when the kids started talking. Mm. There's like narration through the whole is there thing. Voice acting? There is voice acting. And I was like taken aback, like at the first voice acting part, I was like, maybe I would have preferred text, text instead. Mm -hmm. Um, But by the end of it, you know, I was, I was emotionally invested. I was emotional. I was like, all right, this is, this is, this is great. But again, little melodramatic, like some of the lines are like, in video games, you can be anyone anyone you want to be. That reminds me of that image that like everybody made fun of where it's like, I'm not a gamer because I don't have a life. It's because I have many. And it's just like the most like, yeah, oh my stupid yeah. thing. So ever. like, uh, sure, there's a like, yeah, a little melodramatic. Sure. But like, just if, I think if you know that going in and, and you're just. Right. Sometimes, yeah. depending on how you play that, right? Yeah. Like, it can be endearing. Yeah. Like, if it is, if it is a little corny, but like, the passion is there, yes. you can overlook some of that. Yes. For sure. And I save the best little tidbit for last the salesman Huber yeah yeah. the music Yuzo Koshiro involved oh. in the music the music is is that why you played delicious. this game or heard about it uh, <laughs> I, I, actually yeah a couple years question. ago no a couple it, it's actually yeah. true a couple years ago when he was announced to be working on it mm-hmm. then it was on my radar I, I was like, oh, cool, one to look out for. So, so obviously that creates pretty high expectations. Yeah. Did, did it meet those expectations? The music? Yes. Yeah, the music's sick. There's a, there's cool. a couple really good tracks. But yeah, again, just the quality of the, the games um, on Hander are really cool. So, and it's just such a low investment. Games are 50 hours now, dude. Hop yeah, in for a one... Everything is 50 yeah, hours one with sitting. a roadmap and a season pass. Yeah, yeah it's I like hop you. in for a one-nighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, another question, though, and something I think that would frustrate me mm-hmm. is... When when you have like all these different little games that you're playing, super cool. But mm-hmm. if you are trying to tell this melodramatic story, yeah, I don't want it to be like I get a good amount of story at the beginning and a good amount of story at the end, and then I, there's no through line between yeah. the games. Like, do they keep the story going? Yeah. through the different games effectively. Yeah, because okay. like each game is kind of like, all right, play the game now, and then once that game is over, then it's like, all right, little more narrative. Okay, now you're playing the second game. All right, done with that. Little more narrative. All right, mm. the third game. And the way that that's implemented into the story, the way, the context, you know, of of playing the games and coming out of the games, just really, really great presentation. Mm. Cool. I really like this game a lot. Cool, cool, cool. What is it available on? Tough question to remember. I played it on PS4, and I know for certain it's also on PC. I would assume it's on Xbox. Xbox. I don't know if there's a Switch version. I... I super do not believe that like value val- like dollar amount has to equate to length, yeah. but I do think it is something that you you consider. Mm-hmm. How how much is it for ten bucks? Ten bucks. Ten okay. bucks. You said that. All right. Nine ninety nine. Great, great, great. Less than a movie ticket. Yeah. Less than a movie. Less ticket. than a movie ticket. It's for less than less a cup of coffee. Uh, Brad. Yeah. Uh, you played. Dishonored 2, Death of the Outsider. That's right, baby. Which is awesome. Finish the fight. Finally, We yeah. often say to each other, Dishonored God. 2 is an immensely underappreciated game. Yep. I haven't played Death of the Outsider yet, and I, I need to someday with the yeah, other someday. giant mountain of games. But, uh, bro, what made you go back to Dishonored 2, man? So, Dishonored, 
there's many things I love about Dishonored, like its level design, how you approach the game. But one thing I love about Dishonored actually is its story and its world. Yeah. About like the void and the outsider. And once I found out this was after Dishonored 2, yeah. I was like, oh. Epilogue. And like it's around the, the outsider. I'm See, like, one of the biggest mysteries throughout all of Dishonored franchise. I, uh, Huber, I might say something that that is going to upset you. Oh no! I'm oh jeez! Oh no! I really enjoy Dishonored, but yeah. like I the don't, story, I don't okay. really care about the story. That's okay. Oh, I, it's not I, for I play it for the level design and the abilities. It's and okay. I, like, you know, I think there are aspects of the story that are cool, but it's def- it is nowhere near my driving force. I will say to get force. the most out of Dishonored story, you have to put in the time yeah. of like yeah, yeah, reading yeah. stuff. Lottery. Yeah. So like, if you don't want to, like, the characters obviously talk about stuff right. to get the most out of it. Yeah, you're gonna read. It's just that weird thing, Brad. Where and this is gonna change. Did you play? Person. Sorry, did you play the first DLCs of the first game? No. So I've played. Okay. I've played all of Dishonored one and all of Dishonored two. Okay. Haven't touched the DLC. The DLCs, I think, are kind of mandatory. I would say for sure. these games for for appreciating this. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially like two definitely. Yeah, and it's that's cool because like I could totally play those DLCs and it could change my perspective. But it's just and I, this happens sometimes with video games where like I, like I'm I, like, even Monster Hunter World. Like I'm grateful that in Monster Hunter World they had more of an increase in story, but like I didn't really care about it. It's not sure, what I'm there yeah. for. But the other aspects of that game are enough. Are enough, and that's how I felt about this. Yeah, where totally. It's like it's so much fun just going through these levels mm-hmm. that. I didn't need the story. Yeah, totally. To me, it's just like a nice little bonus. Totally. Double yep. dose of uh, Arcane Studios today. I like it. Shout out. Double dose. Double dose? Yeah, Wolf- Youngblood. Young oh, yeah, they helped said, work on that. I forgot. I almost said Wolfblood. Wolfblood. Wolf That's not like them fully, but they helped on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, so, as you'd expect, Dishonored, level, Dishonored Death the Outsiders level design is great. Mm-hmm. Real good. Uh, some of the, like, two of the levels... <laughs> Feed me. Because this has been on my freaking PS4. Like I, ev- I got an- I had to delete it eventually because it had been on there for like three years. Oh, yeah. Dishonored. Haven't two? played it. Okay. So feed me, dude. Just so it takes place. Not, after- not to the the expansion. Oh, you have the expansion. I, I had it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I had it, cool. I've had it this whole time. So like it. this is this is re- you will appreciate this DLC more if you've played the first one because a lot of it is about like Dodd and stuff like that and Billy who you play as the woman from two and like one on the boat and stuff like that. So you get more context than out, and it's really great because it's outsider payoff. Yeah. This thing that's been teased throughout the whole game, he's been there talking to you. This is like the payoff of that mm-hmm. whole story. It kind of feels like the end of the series almost. Mm-hmm. Like how it, like there could be more, but I don't know. Uh, the level design is excellent. You pretty much start on your boat every time, and you go into a zone. You go through. There's a bunch of side quests you could do in there. Like under, there's always like a shop underground or something Love like that. that. You can pick up contracts on the wall to like. Hey, knock this guy out in. Throw him in this box to teach him a lesson for what he did. So sick. Like, oh, stuff like that. That's, that's really cool. So are a that's lot a of them. In, that's something that obviously makes Dishonored so good is how just, it's like Hitman. Mm-hmm. Where like the yes, ways that you is. can take out dudes is the, the systems that they allow. It's just like this huge sandbox of creativity. It gets so exciting. Exactly, yeah. And so the challenges encourage that. Yeah, like hell yeah. A lot yeah. of them, like you can only accomplish by doing like a certain way, like not only like don't kill this guy, yeah. but some of them are more kind of like do as you will kind of thing like that. Gotcha. Like I busted some guy out of like a, he was like locked up somewhere. And I like made, there really early one, there was this guy, like a mime. He was like doing a mime. There's a letter to like take him out and make it look like an accident. Nice. <laughs> so I choked him out yeah. and I threw him off this bridge in like in the story, like a lot of people commit suicide in that yeah. spot. Whoa. So everyone just thinks it's a suicide, but it's actually you. That is. I was like, this is dark real good stuff. And intense, yeah. yeah. Um, 
how long is this, Brad? Took me like eight hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I took my sweet time with it. Question. Uh, uh, the environment. Are we in Dunwell or? Karnaka. Karnaka. It's Karnaka. The whole thing is in Mo- Karnaka? Yeah, Karnaka. Got it. Because it takes place right after two. Reused assets? Uh, I guess. I don't I don't think it's like the same areas from two. Cool, cool, cool. But it's definitely like Karnaka again. But like Karnaka, I think, is awesome. Yeah, I love it. I, I think Dishonored 2 has some of the best environments of this generation. Yeah. Fight. Yeah, yeah. Easily. Yeah, and like okay. the levels. No fight required. Uh, no fight required. <laughs> since you're not Corvo and Emily, you have different powers than they did. Obviously, your powers are much more limited, I would say. Okay. Because Billy, she, uh, her story of like how she has powers is different from them. Yeah. And it's like a shorter game, so you don't have as, as much. Like you can't like be the shadow and crawl and stuff like that. So that that is my question, Brad, because a big part of Dishonored for me is mm-hmm. is having a lot of mobility because that's what makes it fun to like crawl up buildings or, or stuff. You still have mobility. Okay, w- cool. And you don't you don't feel limited in mobility. Like you can still kind of you still have like a blink equivalent. Okay, so it's it's just like slightly different, but it's still pretty much the thing. You could do one really cool thing is you could grab someone and like suck their face off. And be like a mentor and like take their identity so you can walk into somewhere as like this person. They treat you as this person, but you have like a meter going down, so you can't do it the whole time. Nice, because that was gonna be my my question is like, does that make it too easy to get into a place? So like you have you have like enough time to get somewhere and like talk to someone. Like there's this part where I snuck in somewhere and there's like an auction going on, and I sat down as this person like bidding in the auction. Stuff like that. And like when you take people's faces. You like leave their body behind. It's like all gray and messed up, dude. Whoa. It's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. So, Brad, I, I sometimes I'm bad at, at playing DLC, and I think part of the reason I, I am bad at playing DLC is because I get so attached to a game. Mm-hmm. And I actually like this with music albums as well. But uh, I, I get so attached to something that I develop this fear of like, what if it isn't as good, or like it just doesn't capture mm-hmm. the magic in the same way? Because I think about Dishonored Two. And I talking about that level design. Mm. We have those levels where you're like <laughs> rotating the walls around. Yeah. And you have like the 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 past and present like, yeah. thing. And I it's wouldn't just, like, say so creative. Does yeah. this reach those highs? It's not as crazy as two. I think okay. two like really went nuts with it, but it's still really rad, solid level design. Cool. Like the time thing in two, and like the oh. Clockwork Mansion, just like crazy in depth. There's still lots of depth in this, but I didn't run into a mechanic that was that crazy. It's one of my favorite but missions yeah, ever. It's dude. awesome. You still got your swords you'd expect. You got she has different gadgets. She has like a needle she could shoot from her hand or like flame <laughs> things. Kind of like how uh Emily and Corvo had like the gun stuff like that. She just has like mm-hmm. something different. But you can just like light people on fire, put traps, all that good stuff. Everything you like about Dishonor is still here. Yeah. Brad, it, isn't that just the best feeling when like the zeitgeist has moved on. Mm-hmm. It's not part of the conversation anymore. But you just make the choice to go back to something and play it. Yeah, it's it something I always awesome. wanted to like play, yeah. and I like made time to play it this time. Yeah, it's. I I try to do that as much as I can. It can be hard mm-hmm. depending on just what you're playing for work and stuff. But still, yeah. It's yeah, because awesome. when I played Dishonored two, I went ghost. Like I didn't kill non lethal ghost. But okay. this time I played. And I was like, I'm gonna be stealth, but if I get seen, like it's gonna go down. Like I'm gonna fight people. So I have I've forced myself to play Dishonored that way a little bit. Mm-hmm. But and I wanna get I wanna know from you guys, any game where like stealth is super viable, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to not do that. Like I just take so much I don't know if it's pride or what sure. it is, where like I was like, I don't wanna be seen. I yeah. do, I stealth is like arguably my favorite genre. Yeah. 
I if I get spotted, I go. If I get spotted, I go with it because I need those self-imposed stakes. Mm. I need that tension because then when I'm stealthing, I'm so nervous. And then if I get through stealth, I'm like yes. But if I get caught, then that's also fun, especially in Dishonored mm-hmm. because like so many tools and weapons you can use. Yeah. So getting caught is like. Well, shit, I feel bad about getting caught, but now I feel good about like mm-hmm. shooting and stabbing no, people. In, like, <laughs> in Hitman and Dishonored in particular, <laughs> I get so. Hitman like, is, yeah, a little. Yeah. I get so crazy bad. I was like, no! Yeah, Hitman, I, I get like kind of. I can't mad. remember if it was Dishonored one or two, but I had a moment where like I was trying not to kill anybody. <clears throat> And, like, I either threw them in there or somehow they accidentally got knocked out and thrown into the water, and so they drowned. Drowned, But I didn't know until, like, I was like, oh, no! Game trailers. Yeah. Someone who worked at game trailers went through Dishonored 1. Yeah. Full stealth, non-lethal run, and they accidentally killed somebody in the tutorial. They didn't know it counted. (laughs) So at the very end of the entire game, they had one kill. Oh, and that that just drives you up a wall when you have that moment. You're like, how did this happen? (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Death of the Outsider was awesome. If you like Dishonored, check it out. I highly recommend playing all the DLCs if you like Dishonored too. They're super important for narrative if you care about that. Well, two's cool. Death of the Outsider is cool because it's standalone. The other ones are a pain because it's like attached to Dishonored 1. Yeah, this one you can just play. Yeah. Cool. Um, (coughs) Man. (laughs) You okay? (laughs) Just hyped, man. I want to play Dishonored now. I know. I know. Like it's really still really fun. I, it's, it's become cliche at this point because I feel like we talk about it every frame trap, but it's just hard not to get energized and be like, I want to immediately play this. And yeah. then you have the crushing defeat of being like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Yep. Which is like not a real problem, of mm-hmm. course. It's not, it's not something to actually be upset about. But yeah. But we do, we do have a real problem. Uh, we do. We have, we have something that has been weighing on my mind. And that is Otake! Oh my God. Yeah, that one was spirited. Jeez, I know, dude. That one was spirited. Um, fun fact for the audience, I had a totally different Hotake planned, and Huber was talking about something before the show, and I was like, you know what? I think that is more interesting, and, and would maybe get these guys a little bit more fired up. So, Huber, you uh, did a Call of Duty preview uh, for Modern Warfare, and you had the, the pleasure of... Kind of receiving what I would call like the stock standard Call of Duty response, where people are shitting on a thing because they always shit on it. It's almost like clockwork. And in in, in Slack, Bloodworth was like, "People are shitting on this, and they haven't even had time to watch the video. Like the video has not been up long enough <laughs> yeah. for these people." Fifteen minute to, video, right, comment to, three minute in, right? To promise to, and so it it gets frustrating. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm not saying people can't criticize a series or can't. You know, everybody has their own preferences and they're free to express it. But sometimes it does feel like the bandwagoning effect is like not helping anybody, and it's it's creating a perception that maybe doesn't necessarily reach reality. And I'm sure as somebody who does enjoy something like Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed, or I'm sure there are other games I can think of that kind of maybe have this bandwagoning effect of hate, mm-hmm. uh, that it can make it harder to enjoy something or to want to share your opinion about a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brad, I don't know if there are any series that you enjoy where you get that effect as well, but I just kind of want to talk about this sensation and if there's any good ways for us to deal with it collectively kind of as a community or on a personal level. I'm dealing with something right now on a personal level, a movie. This is how I'm dealing with it. Tarantino, Once Upon a Time, just came out. Yeah. 
I don't want to talk to a, a other than my wife. I'm not talking to a single person about it. Just just because I don't I don't want the hot takes. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. So I just re- I I've, I have refused to talk about this movie with any anyone other than my wife. Have you we, already seen it? Yeah, we saw it. Okay. Talked about it in depth. Done. Got, done. That's it. Don't ask me about it. I'll, yeah, I'll ask you about <laughs> it. Yeah. But like, call it. And I think it's it's unfortunate, right, that I have right. to go to these extremes to just like seal myself off from the world because like the hot takes are just so extreme. And that's like Call of Duty too, where it's like kind of like not scary to bring it up but it's like anytime you know it's brought up you there's always that group of like call of duty same thing every year and it's like just just let me enjoy the thing just right. let me enjoy call of duty like if you don't like call of duty that's fine but please just move along like do you really need to like you know, you're walking on your path of life. You're not a Call of Duty fan. You don't play Call of Duty, but you take the time to stop, look in my direction, and say, same as it always is, like, screw this franchise, like, cash grab. Like, please just keep walking and leave me alone. So, obviously, you know, this is a generalization, and I'm sure the differences vary, but at the same time, like, why, why do you think that that becomes so predominant? Like, why do you think people feel so compelled to do that? I mean, m- popular things usually get a lot of criticism. Mm. Do, do you the think Game that, of Thrones, Star Wars, it like, is is like it's an identity thing where yeah. this isn't cool, and so I don't want to appear uncool, so I'm gonna shit on it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's changed over the years with Call of Duty. Like at one point, it was like edgy and so cool to love Call of Duty, right? And then that identity, then it became like the dude bro game, Call of Duty, and then right. like factions started splintering. It's been a road for this mm. franchise but i feel like there's always a vocal distaste for this franchise so i want to bring video game coverage into this a little bit um and th- this is a perspective that i can kind of understand because i saw it happen at game trailers where it was like oh this is call of duty it has to take priority over all this other stuff mm-hmm. and i think that that frustrated people for sure mm-hmm. where it was like guys there are a bunch of other games call of duty comes out every year like don't like we get it. We know about Call of Duty. Please cover other things. But I actually think that that's something that has gotten tremendously better. And, like, of course it's not perfect, but I would say, by and large, things across the board are getting better coverage because there's more avenues for you to get your information. And so if you care about this thing, there's probably a streamer or a YouTube channel or, or some collective group that is covering it in a satisfying way. Mm-hmm. And so I don't feel like Call of Duty is eating up the pie as much in that sense, in terms True. of attention. Yeah. Um, and so that perspective I don't get. Like, when people are like, all game journalists care about is Call of Duty, it's like, no. no. <laughs> like, I just, don't, I just don't see it as effectively as I did maybe in the past. Yeah. Um, but, but, Brad, do you think this is just... Do you think this is just internet white noise, or do you think, like, there's any way we can make this better? Oh, like... Uh... To me, it'll get better when people get bored about complaining about it. Mm. Like, it's not really a high effort to just hop in a comment section and just be like, type LOL, this sucks, or something like that. Like, that yeah. doesn't take long at all. Right. And people just like to shit post, you know? Yeah. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, yeah. I don't know. And, and this is different than, like, this kind of criticism, I feel like, is different than the, like, 
other controversies of the game. You know, this is a war game. Like, kids, I haven't seen the campaign, but, like, you can shoot kids or something. And, like, they're right. bringing back, like, chemical weapons that are, like, war crimes. Like, it is controversial. And that conversation should absolutely take place in a constructive way. Like, you know, at the event, they're up on stage talking about, like, oh, can't wait to use this gun, you know, and, like, shoot someone. Like, it's... That is very intense, you know, like any way you look at it, that's always going to be very intense. But like for me, if for me, if I just like even for a moment, even for a moment, like play Call of Duty and at the end of it, I'm like affected emotionally or if I'm like, man, war is terrible. War is horrible. Like even if I have that thought for a second, isn't that a win? Isn't that enough? Yeah, it, it definitely is. It's just uh, that that's a hard thing to sometimes unpack where like y- it giving you that emotion on mm-hmm. a personal level, I do think is really satisfying. But then you have to analyze the context around that message. Mm-hmm. Like it's weird having that and then getting a pop up screen where it's like buy our season pass. Like, totally. It's just like, the, like, well, there's the multiplayer and the campaign disconnect. Right. But that, that disconnect yeah. can affect your perception mm-hmm. or the sincerity of the message, totally. you know. Even if they're coming from a good place, it's just how this is all bundled together mm-hmm. um, can affect it. But uh, there's there's two points that I want to kind of bounce off you guys. The first uh, is, Huber, I thought you brought up a really good point. Um, and, Brad, I want to see if you, you agree with this, where you're like, you know, I just play Call of Duty every year for a month, and it like it's satisfying. And yeah. I do think that is some of the criticism sometimes, where it's like it comes out every year, it's not that valuable. And it's like, does does it need to be? Like, if something, if a, if, if something gives you a month of entertainment... Isn't that pretty crazy? Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. Every every time this franchise comes out, and it's like, I know what I'm getting into. Right. That's why I just don't understand the criticism of like, you you're either in or you're out. Right. Like Yeah, you already know. But it's okay either, to be out. It's okay to be out, but you don't need to ruin it for everyone else. Right. Right, like right, right. Uh, there's another layer, a, a deeper layer that I think I wanna try to add into this this conversation about perception where I do think a lot of the perception is coming from the fact that people are, are rightfully angry at Activision yeah. and some of the things that they've done and, and just the business practices surrounding that company. Yeah. And you also get it with other companies. Uh, the whole Randy Pitchford constant shitstorm yeah. that is happening uh, with Gearbox and Borderlands and you know Todd Howard and and Bethesda at large like there are there are things that are happening that I think people are rightfully criticizing and I do think that plays into the perception of like you know fuck this game yes uh does that influence your perception of a company or a game or a series does that affect Absolutely. you on a personal level or are you able to separate no. it it does affect me and that's why I get so attached to like the Dark Knight trilogy or yeah. the MCU because I like the vast majority of the people involved and I think it's coming from a good place, you know? Yeah. So that that kind of that if all of that combines, you know, where I love the company, I love the people, and I love the product, you, then you, it's the perfect storm and it's a ten out of ten. Do you ever th- I mean with the MCU in particular, I guess mm-hmm. out of my own curiosity, do you ever think about like, hey, this belongs to Disney who is slowly taking <laughs> over the world? I still don't think of it as a Disney thing. I know it is, but like, yeah, I still think it is like Kevin Feige, dude, holding it down. So, but it's Disney. But it's Disney. But, but I mean, but we can play this game all freaking day long, right. dude. And I'm not, I'm not trying to antagonize you. I'm just <laughs> yeah, trying no, to no, say, no. like, like, yeah. how is this affecting you? Yeah. Um. So with with the, with like, 
Is there an example of, of something that has happened with a particular company mm -hmm. that has, has affected your relationship with the game? Hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I can't think of anything right now. I mean, all the CD Projekt Red scandals definitely kind of like tainted tainted it a little bit. Right. But then it's so hard to like pin an entire company on like a couple people. Right. So it's always a, a internal struggle. I'm always wrestling with that of right. separating. But uh, but I, I I it does affect me, and I do I do think about it. And the just yeah, just the point I want to drive home is when everyone involved in a product is good vibes and love and respect. Right. And the game is good when it's that perfect storm, then there's nothing better. That's just like euphoria, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. um it's it's so hard because and th this is going away from what we were originally talking about, but like like a company like an E EA is a company is always very fascinating to me. <laughs> where there's so much bullshit. Like people people are right to criticize them yes. and it keeps happening and like there there is Without a doubt, validity to a lot of the complaints that are happening. Yeah. But then there are other times where it's like, all right, you can't, you can't just hate them because they exist. Like we, the, the anger has to come from direct actions. And if if a game comes out that is just a good game, mm -hmm. it's not fair to to hate it for simply existing. Like, like there has to be some sort of cause and effect relationship. And sometimes I think that the EA hate can just get so riled up where it's like any direction they move, there's anger. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that is productive. Mm -hmm. I don't think that is going to help them fix problems. I don't think that is focused. Mm -hmm. I think it that, that that's when it becomes like vindictive and mob mentality. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and I think that's, that's going back to the original Call of Duty point where it's like, don't we want to celebrate good things, yes. praise good things, and punish bad things? Mm -hmm. Like, if Call of Duty comes out and it's awesome, us coming out and saying that it's awesome and praising it, I think is is healthy. Mm -hmm. We can't just hate it because we it made us mad in the past. Yeah. Like, you have, I I think treating things on a more case by case basis would just be more productive for everyone across the board. Yeah, and there's no room for nuance anymore. You know, right. we've exactly. joked around that nuance exactly. is dead. Yeah. So it's like I always think like. You know, if one or two, for theoretically, say one person involved in this modern warfare turns out to be a slimeball sketcher, you know, just a really, <laughs> I like that slimeball sketcher, slimeball sketcher, you know, yeah. are the other like 2000 or however freaking many people working on this all sketch, you know, right. and I think that's the, the, that's, that, that like hurts, you know, when it's like, all right, one person in this company did something bad, like. The entire company sucks. It's like I can imagine a lot of cool human beings working on modern warfare that just love it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I've 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 no doubt about it. And yeah, it's it's hard because like I I get what you mean, man. And I I, I can imagine like we're we're in a little bit of a different perspective where we are we're public people, and so like when we throw out an opinion, it's it's going to be different than, you know, just some other person who, who doesn't have as public of a life. But it it frustrates... I feel like the conversation around video games could just be better. Like, it... Because... And I, I don't... I can't imagine that I'm the only one that feels this way, where it's like, games are just so awesome right now. They're mm -hmm. so good and there's so many things to celebrate. And obviously there are problems. There are things that we need to work through on an industry side. But 
it feels weird where every time you try to celebrate something, it's not that people are attacking your ideas, they're attacking you. Mm. And I think that has affected fans. I think that has affected developers. I think that has just affected everybody. And so what that what that creates is everybody just wants to retreat into their own shell. Yeah, and that's that, what I'm doing with Tarantino. Like, you know, that's, that's safe. Mm-hmm. That prevents things from happening but you don't get that euphoria of of getting new perspectives of sharing something of growing something of of forming community i think it is breaking down communities like i really do and i think communities are one of the best parts about video games Mm -hmm. and when you can find a group of like-minded people who are well-intentioned like it is just the happiest you'll ever be the the agents of shield community right (laughs) safe space and I don't know what you can do. And like, you know, that like everybody's lines are different and people are going to disagree and disagreements are healthy and all that stuff. But like, I, I guess all that this is, is just like, be mindful of the things that you say, be mindful and like, know that, that your words affect people and it will change how they interact with something. Mm-hmm. It will cause them to withdraw. It will mm. cause them to not share something that could have been really cool. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that has kind of been, a general message of several of these otakes, but I still feel like it's it's really true where it's just like, I think the more mindful we are of our words, the better off everybody will be, mm-hmm. for sure. So, um, Bring nuance back. And just don't blindly hate. Yeah. 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 Uh, Brad, I'm sorry. You didn't get to... to oh, no, that's talk, okay. Talk a whole that's lot during okay. that hotake. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. I mean, do you, do you think this is as much of a problem as I'm presenting it? Uh, yeah. For me, in my life, I'm kind of at a stage where with everything, there is a good and a bad. And, like, I just expect these things. I know what's going to happen a lot of times. Like, great stuff, but there's also bad stuff, kind of thing like that. Yeah. And it's like, I just try not to let that bother me. Yeah. You know? It's, uh, for me, like, if I don't really like something, I'm not the kind of person to go on somewhere really... And say like, oh, this, this sucks. Yeah. Like, I don't like episode eight, but I've never, like... Yeah. Been mad at anyone who right. does. I've never said you anything. Like, you haven't like light your, a petition. You haven't <laughs> light your Star Wars figures on yeah, fire. It's just it's just for it's just me. That's yeah. it. And yeah. like yeah. It, that's all it needs to be for me. Yeah. Like yeah, I don't yeah. need to like make some crazy thing like that. But it's just like I don't know. I just try to be a pretty cool person. Try p- treat people how I, don't, I would want to be treated. Yeah, I think Brian's like, a pretty cool person. And yeah. I don't want to be ignorant or give excuses to companies or to things. But I just choose to focus on the good. Right. Going back to like, if one person in a company is sketch as hell, I try to focus on the people who are not and right. those people. Right. And I, I, I think there's kind of like this, this fallacy of if there's, if there's a bad thing by not talking about, like if you're talking about a good thing, that means that you don't care about the bad thing. I think that happens sometimes. Yeah. Where like, mm-hmm. where like yeah. you, you try to say something positive and they're like, but wait, this bad thing. Don't forget the bad thing. We yeah. got we to gotta focus on that. That's not fixed yet. And it's like, that isn't productive. <laughs> if you're only ever focusing on the bad things, that will, it, will, it will color your perception and that won't be accurate either. And so just because you're talking about something good doesn't mean that you don't care mm-hmm. about the negative aspects of the industry or that you are endorsing yes. bad yes. practices. Mm-hmm. You liking something is not necessarily an endorsement of all the evil in the world. So right. I, I do think, and then, and then like, it's weird when it's like, hey, I enjoy 
video game A, it's like, does that mean you want to work people to death? No, yeah. it's not what that yeah. means. <laughs> and obviously, you do have to send a message, right? And you do have to support something. But I don't think jumping down somebody's throat like that or accusing them of something is going to get you very far. Mm. That's all. Well said. Well said, man. Whew. <laughs> that, I don't know. You ready for some emails? Yeah. <laughs> Video yeah. games. Video, Video games. games. Yo, 1980X, dude. 1980X. 1980X. Came for you as a play. Enjoy some nostalgia. Yeah. Play some Outrun. <laughs> Use a Kajiro. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, unfortunately, we're not going to immediately good vibes uh, with this, oh. this first email, but it, I think it's a good email. Uh, this comes in from Samuel. He says, frame trap question on frustration. Hi, Ben and guests. I've been thinking about frustration in video games. Specifically, the difference between good and bad frustration. Mm. Shrek, for the original Xbox, was clearly a deeply frustrating experience. Ludicrous objectives, hideous environments, and weird mumbling enemies. Unsatisfying platforming. Shrek earned its place in the bin. This is a very well-written email. However, sometimes frustration can be a positive thing. Hollow Knight is frustrating. Some bosses made me scream at the wall, tear my hair out, rage quit, swear off video games for life. That is something. I don't think I've ever been so frustrated that I've sworn off video games no. for life. That has never happened. No. But I like that. I like that anger yeah. here. The hardest levels of Tropical Freeze drive me to distraction <laughs> as I hear that taunting death... Yep, immediately comes to mind. That taunting death music again and again. Divinity, Original Sin 2, often leaving me feel like a complete fool. Yes! Yet, these are three of my most cherished games the last few years. When I fail at a boss or platforming challenge, I am quite literally being frustrated. My desires are going unfulfilled. My designs are being thwarted. Strictly speaking, these are frustrating experiences. So why do I enjoy them? One suggestion is that I never feel cheated by, by these games. Any failure is undeniably my own fault. Moreover, the feeling of playing the game is essentially good. Even when it's going disastrously, it feels great to swing your needle sword, to roll jump, or to beat someone down with a, as, with a blood incarnate. At the same time, I don't think it's simply the case that the enjoyment of playing the game outweighs the frustration. I think the frustration itself is enjoyable. Of course, we often induce negative feelings, sadness, fear, even pain, either because we seek catharsis or because it makes an ultimate positive emotion feel all the sweeter. What are your thoughts on this question, and what other examples of good and bad frustration stand out for you? Puzzles are bad frustration for me. It's why I don't gravitate towards them. It's because it's not fun not knowing how to solve a puzzle. It's not fun to move a laser here. Oh, it doesn't work. Move the laser there. Oh, it doesn't work. Move the laser there. Oh, it finally works. Like, yeah, it's not fun. Whereas good frustration, final boss of Sekiro. Yeah. Holy, I've never been like so defeated in my life. I was so frustrated. Right. But it was the good kind. I, I just pulled up a chair and I was like, if I'm here for the next 10 hours, if if that's how long it takes, so be it. So frustrating, but then finally finally beating it. I was like, yes. Mm. You know, whereas that that's more satisfying than like even solving the puzzle because the act of solving the puzzle was frustrating and not fun. Sure. Mm. Uh, I kind of like I like solving puzzles actually. I mean, it's it, it, like, case to case. Yeah. It can be frustrating, but like I think I enjoy it sometimes. Yeah. What if it's a, just a puzzle game, like a full pu not like a puzzle in Resident Evil is fine because it like it's just part of a larger product. Mm. But when mm. the whole game is just puzzles, puzzle games can be awesome. I know. Oh, what was that game? Uh, Intelligence not, Cube. I liked that game sure. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. PS One. That game was. I don't want to hate on puzzle games. Yeah, I'm just saying from my. But like no, totally, I don't yeah. but like totally totally, totally. But like I get it. I don't like Tetris. 
And it's just like, it's like, at the end of the day, Tetris is like about putting things together in the correct order. Brad, I just had one of those moments, man, where like, I, that is your preference, and that is totally cool. Yeah. But I had that like oh, immediately. Oh, huge in the minority. <laughs> no, 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 I just had that immediately. I had that immediate moment. Where I was like, how the hell is he not like Tetris? But that's okay. Yeah. That's totally fine. I just, yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Bonked your head. But yeah, that, that happens. Uh, frustrating I don't like is. I was playing Shadow of War, and I was yeah. fighting like a boss, and like I was trying to roll, and I was just stuck behind an invisible wall, and I just kept rolling, trying to get out of there, and he yeah. just wouldn't go anywhere, and I just died. I'm like, God damn it, dude! Because like when something like that is out of my control, like something beyond my like what I could do, it was just a hundred percent the game faulting on me. Right. Where like I didn't, I didn't technically mess up. The game did. Yeah. Like, as stupid and cheesy as that sounds, like when I. It's like annoying when you're trying to escape somewhere and you like, they like grab something you don't want them to. Like in yeah. Assassin's Creed games, like always climbing on something, yep. like jumping the wrong way. It's like no, jump that way. Yeah, <laughs> like when it's just like something happens, I don't want it to. Yeah. Um, I think there are two instances where it's immensely frustrating. One is when, and and this happens, I think not not as much now, but in in some retro games where like. Suddenly, you just have to use a mechanic that you haven't had to use the entire game, mm. and they don't tell you what it is. And so it's just like you you look it up, and then the guide tells you, "Oh, this is what you have to do." And it's like, how how was I supposed to know? Yeah. That? So I think I think clarity is a big part of it. Shh, definitely. And I don't. That's not saying that games need to hold your hand. I actually think you can have a lot of clarity without telling the player hand. everything. Yeah. But if it's just like some random thing that you would never think of, if you didn't give me the tools to piece that together myself. Mm-hmm. Then that sucks. Um, the second thing is when it's just padding. When it's like, I'm doing this not because it's teaching me more about the game or the world or the story. You're just doing it to extend the length of the game. Mm-hmm. That just purely sucks all the time, always. No thank you. Um, and also, I think something like like Hollow Knight is a good example where like the frustration is, like if I die in Hollow Knight, it's like, I know exactly why I died. Mm-hmm. I didn't perform this, the, the basic combat well enough. I didn't execute it, but I, I, I could, like if it's like, if I had just jumped there or just dodged this or just hit that, I would have succeeded. So I know. It sucks when you like do something and you're like, I don't even know what to do. Like, mm-hmm. what what do I have in my toolkit that can deal with this? Those are the most discouraging defeats, mm-hmm. where you just get, you're moving along, and it's just fine, and then you get so obliterated, and you're like, I don't even know where to begin. It's it's about learning. If you feel, like, those, those boss fights are the best when you get destroyed, yeah. but you're like, wait a minute, what if I try this? And then you get a little bit better, mm-hmm. and then you get a little bit better, and you still lose, but even if you lose 100 times, if you still feel the sense that like there's something new you could try or you're getting a little bit better every time, you're going to want to keep playing. Yeah. And I think Sekiro did a good job of that a lot of times where I would just hit a wall and I would die, but I was like, I bet I can do this better, and I was right. Yeah, yeah for Heck sure. Yeah. yeah. What's the most frustrating game you've played? The Witness. Yeah, The Witness is super frustrating, man. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hard, it's, it's, hard quit, hard delete. I actually think it's I actually think it's a great video game, but there are just times where you're like, nope. Jonathan Blow, yeah. come on, man. No thanks. <laughs> uh, I will say one frustrating experience for me was playing through Phantom Hourglass. Yeah. Because I just didn't like that game at all, but I love Zelda. And that came and from it, the like, controls, And it's just right? not clicking with me. Yeah, just the controls, like the ocean dungeon, just like all that, there's nothing clicking with me, and it just... 
frustrated me because I wasn't enjoying it and I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, it. You know, I would actually say, and this is this is actually something that I've gotten a lot better at. I'm proud of myself, but uh, as much as I love them, and I really do to the core of my being, fighting games can often be the most frustrating oh, for me. Oh yeah, because like. For multiple reasons, when you when you lose and it's just like that was just a laggy as hell match. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Mm-hmm. That sucks. just that's it's just frustrating. Control. It's out of your control, yeah. and you you really feel like this is the game's fault. Like this yeah. isn't just me. And it's or or when you just like lose over and over and over again, it's it's a hard thing to accept. And it's hard to train your mind to be like me losing over and over again is a good thing because it's just naturally discouraging. But once you get there, it does help you and you do get better but it's mm-hmm. a it's a hard mountain to overcome mm-hmm. and it's a frustrating experience next one here i think you're gonna like this one uh this is from son of sparta son evolution of or improvement a sequels dilemma hello ben and allies i hope you are having a lovely evening so i've been thinking about this for a while now but when do you think a sequel in a well-known franchise should try to go just beyond improving what the past games in the series have done and make drastic changes to evolve into something more fresh in their respective series. I'm mainly thinking about Devil May Cry and Persona mm. 5 with this question. I really enjoyed both of those games, and I think they are very well made and deserving of the praise they got. But at the same time, as a big fan of both franchises, I can't help but feel that the respective formula and design structure for both series are getting a tad stale. Linear mission design in DMC, uh, the calendar system in Persona, separated arcs for party members, and very restrictive time management. Do you think that because these games offer a fairly unique experience, they should just stick to what works and try to focus on improvements rather than coming up with core new ideas to change up the current formula? Think DMC3 and Persona 3 compared to their predecessors. Or do you think it would benefit them in the long run to try to come up with new core ideas and gameplay mechanics to go beyond what they have achieved right now? For instance, overhaul to the calendar system and time management for Persona and a more open hub world design for DMC are things that immediately come to mind. What do you personally hope to see in the next Persona and Devil May Cry series? Um, And thank you for reading my email. If you do so, as always, love and respect. So um, rather than talking about what we want next in Persona and DMC in particular, I want to focus on that question is, when is the right time for a radical change-up? And how valuable is that? To me, it feels like when it becomes very stale. But how do you quantify that? For me, for it's a case by case basis. When I play something, I'm like, ugh. Right. Like Resident Evil Six was like a perfect example of that. Yeah. Where I was like, this has got to change. Like this is not working. What they're doing. It all evolved. Like four, totally the huge shift. Five was great. Then six is just like, kind of a mess to me. Yeah. Like it felt like really bloated, and I was just like, they just need to change this. This isn't working anymore. This to me, this is going away from what the spirit of the original games was. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it also depends on not only like being stale within a series, but being stale as like a trend in general. Yeah. Um, because Hubert, like Uncharted was so pivotal and so influential, but I felt like I was playing a lot of games in a lot of different series that were like <laughs> not that they didn't have their own merits, but essentially were takes on Uncharted, yeah, where definitely. it was a lot of like Man, I'm climbing up a wall in a very similar way. It feels very similar. The mm-hmm. combat feels very similar. The design of this area feels very similar. And so, like, that's when it gets stale for me. And yeah. this thing that was really special and new is suddenly just being done to death. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think Devil May Cry 5 is an interesting 
thing because, yes, it is super similar in a lot of ways to Past the Limit Cry games, but when you heard Itsuno talking about it, he's like, there are not a lot of pure action games. Mm-hmm. And he's right. There aren't a lot... You're not getting a lot of games like Devil May Cry very often. You're not getting a lot of games like Bayonetta or Ninja Gaiden very often. And so it felt like there there is room to kind of just iterate on what came before. It doesn't mm-hmm. need a reinvention because it's not happening Yeah, because I think if there's oversaturation, it could definitely have a huge factor in it. Yeah. But like you said, there hasn't been many games like that recently. Right. Um, and Huber, you've you've talked about before, like how maybe innovation is, is like too obsessed with sometimes and like mm-hmm. how slow evolution can be good. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about this topic? Like Brad said, case to case, I really like sequels, you know, and I don't, I don't necessarily need a sequel to do drastically different things. I prefer sometimes refinement over innovation. Um, that's but like you know, Resident Evil is another example of like I loved the innovation, especially coming off six. So it just all really depends. Um, you know, like Resident Evil Two remake. If Resident Evil Three remake was just the same thing but a little bigger with some crafting and some choices, like. Cool. Right. Mm-hmm. So just really case to case. I think it, it really lies in, in the developer's hands. It's kind of something really hard to qu- quantify because, like, public perception, I think, plays a huge role in this. Like, after Resident Evil 6, they came out and they were like, hey, you know, we hear you. Like, you know, some the core fans like didn't really like the direction. So then the next one, we're going to, you know, take it in a new direction. So right. I think that definitely has a big factor. Whereas like Devil May Cry Five came out and right really great reception, so right. clearly like we're still into it and hungry and but but like just hypothetically, if mm-hmm. Devil May Cry Six came out next year and yeah. was basically just Devil May Cry Five Plus, I yeah. think it would be criticized for that because of the proximity, mm-hmm. um, which so... I'm which I'm fine with. Like I'm I'm always down with either innovation or refinement. Like mm-hmm. if Devil May Cry Six was completely different or if it was exactly the same, right? Let's see. Let's, yeah. let's judge it on its own merits. Right. But it, <laughs> you, you just have to, I don't know, pay attention to like what's going on around that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Persona, I think, is a really interesting example because while I see where you're coming from criticizing like, hey, the calendar system and the way social links slash covenants work, it's very similar across all these games and it's been this way for a long time. Comparing Persona 5 directly to Persona 4, they feel completely different to me because Persona 4 is about Inaba. It's about this tremendously small town. It's about knowing, you know, a small group of people, and it's about the intimacy of the story. It is a very intimate story where Persona 5 is the exact opposite. It's this huge city. It's about dealing with large volumes of people. It's about dealing with society as a collective a bit more. I mean, Persona 4 does as well, but I would say just just in terms of, of vibes and, like, hook of the game there's a very different Mm -hmm. feeling to playing persona 5 despite the fact that structurally it's very similar Mm -hmm. and so it just depends on what you're changing because i think even a new character or a new message can make something feel innovative if mechanically it's still the same yeah like p5 is completely different look to and presentation than all the other ones right and like i think like v in devil may cry 5 helped that a lot where mm-hmm. it was like you got something new and you got something old 
as well. And like you, you had three different tiers where you had Dante, who was like very, very similar to how he's played in the past. Yeah. Nero, who like has some important changes, and then V, who is completely mm-hmm. new mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So. I just I love sequels, man. I love when a sequel is just like the next step for something. You know, I think of like Uncharted One to Uncharted Two, and it's mm-hmm. just like just more and bigger and more confidence. Just I love yeah. It. Just, uh, th- maybe this is outside of the scope or of like, the, the, the question, though. But. Or Witcher 3, like after Witcher 2, it's just like, this is a totally different game, mm-hmm. but it's still a sequel, but it, you know, you're still retaining a lot of that. It's mm-hmm. just, I love it, man. Um, th- this is a slightly different question, though, Huber, but it is something that gets to me. Um, in, term- in both film and video games, like, where like, I'm with you, like, man, I can't wait for Devil May Cry 6. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for you know, the next Fire Emblem or the next Persona or whatever it is. I'm super excited by that. But sometimes, like, man, I just want that new heavy hitter. Like, I want Definitely. I want that brand new shooter that, that death, changes shooters. The Death Stranding. Of yeah, the, yeah, yeah, and it could be that. <laughs> but even Death Stranding, like, has some legacy attached yeah, to it. It's true. still Kojima. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, yeah. I, I, like, I, I do think that sometimes video games are at their most exciting when it's a new thing from people you've never heard of before, and I want there to be enough space yeah, for Yeah, I think it's good to have both. Yeah. Ideally, you'd want both. Because there's right. nothing wrong with wanting a sequel that's just better to something you like already, but it's right. also awesome getting something yep. brand new. Totally. Yep. Like when we got, uh, when you're talking about like a new game series, like when we got uh, the Arkham Trilogy, yeah. like just a great Batman game, like yeah. Yeah. it seemed like out of nowhere almost. Mm-hmm. But but even something like, you know, and I'm I'm not a dedicated player by any means but even something like PUBG is very exciting and mm-hmm. just like oh my god this this has changed video games Dude, I like, love yeah, like those moments games like yeah. DayZ at the time were yeah. crazy yep 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 alright our last email man this is a shorter frame trap our last email comes in from Craig he says imagine three separate timelines Microsoft Sony and Nintendo are all dramatically far behind the other two in their own timeline their businesses are soon to close up shop. However, each of them have a nuclear option, oh. something none of them would ever do while they were doing well. What do you think each of their last stand all or nothing nuclear options would be? I think just like huge price drops. They just drop the price of everything by like ton- Like it reminds me of the Dreamcast. Like at the end of the Dreamcast life cycle, man, they just dropped that thing. Like it was too late already. But that was like a desperate act. The last thermonuclear turn the keys. Like, we got to do something. Yeah. For PlayStation, I feel like their backwards compatibility has been just the worst. So maybe a nuclear option would be like, yo, every PS1, PS2, PS3, PS4 game you can, play it. can play it on this. Let's go. When I think of nuclear options, I think of like hardcore pandering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like for Nintendo... I think it would be like trying to recapture like if they if they were really dire and like no one was on their side, I think it'd be trying to recapture the hearts of their most dedicated. And so it's like, we are green lighting a new F Zero immediately. Like get mm. this out the door and make it amazing. Yeah. Like so that's that's kind of like the panic button stuff that I would expect. Mm-hmm. And same thing with like Sony. I, I think Sony is kind of in a position where it would just be like Yo, hurry up on that new Horizon sequel. Hurry up yeah. on this and yeah. that new Spider-Man game. Yeah, but My, I, Microsoft's nuclear option would just be to buy everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yo, just buy Nintendo. Yeah, I think I honestly think maybe Microsoft would lean into some like crossovers. Yeah, where it's like 
you know, Halo Cross Gears of Wars. I, I don't know. It's a, yeah. that, that's a pretty Halo dumb idea. Halo Cross Gears of Wars. <laughs> but, yeah. Halo but that, Gears. that kind of pandering, I think, would, would exist on uh, some level. Um, it's funny. You know what else I think would happen? <laughs> and I really do think this. And I think maybe, maybe it would be most likely for Microsoft, but I could see Sony doing it as well, and even Nintendo. I think they would try to resurrect beloved things. Like, IPs? Yeah. Banjo? Like, like we, are, we are fronting a new Metal Gear Solid. We are bringing you a new Castlevania. Yeah. We are that kind of legacy stuff and it's exclusive to our platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so kind of like a like a Bayonetta 2 situation. Dude, so. Bayonetta 2. Hmm. Yeah. Ape Escape. Ape Escape. Ape Escape's coming. Is, like, a new Ape Escape would be awesome. It's not is that a, is that no. a nuclear option? No, 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 no. You don't think Ape Escape's coming back? I do. What? I think it no, do. No, it. we're talking about like this, the level of oh, okay. if it's a nuclear bomb or not. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Huber, no, I think Ape Escape could come back. Cool. Huber, I... Uh, I think the question is this coming back? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> the answer is yes. Now the answer is yes. If you ask me, is something coming back? The mm-hmm. answer is yes. It's just yep. a matter of when. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, guys, we only did one email last time, and this is a pretty short episode. How would you feel about doing a fourth email? Let's sure. do it. I haven't. I'll have to screen some other. Screen them. So screen them. Screen them. Yeah. Vet them. My guys are vetted. They're my. Well, how do you know? Because they're my guys. Bring it back, dude. I need to. I need to. Mm. Is it time for a rewatch? I need to rewatch. Bring it back. I've been thinking about it for so long. Have you watched Better Call Saul, Ben? So I've seen the first season of Better Call Saul, okay. and I watched the first episode of the second season. And it's all been amazing. Yeah. Just, just yeah. Scratch the itch with Saul. Yeah. Hop in. Because when that final season comes, that's going to be an event. Uh, I'm at the very end of Stranger Things season three, though. Me too. I have two left, I think. I'm like halfway through the final episode. We just got to like watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. (laughs) Um, Okay. What do you think about Stranger Things season three? I like it. I can't say yet, though, because the final two, like a lot hinges on that. For sure. Yeah. And that, that should be. Yeah. I I really like Ben it. has mixed feelings. I've yeah, they're not even that. Ma- I would say overall, mm-hmm. I've had a great time with season three. Yeah. There are just a couple of things where like it's hard to keep that magic going. Dude. Yeah, it is it hard. Is yeah, really hard. that's kind of what going. I feel. That's yeah. kind of what I feel. Where it's like it's really hard because what I really love about Stranger Things, and this is not the only series where I've ran into this into, is like I get so attached to the characters that my favorite moments are them just hanging out and yeah. dealing with mundane things. Yeah. And sometimes when they get into the, like the goofy, convoluted adventures, it's just not as much fun to watch because I don't mm-hmm. care about the goofy, convoluted adventure that is obviously going to be resolved as much as I care about the characters. And so like, just the things with the Russians and all that stuff, like it's just not that exciting. And like the upside down and the Russia. monsters that come out of it are not as mysterious as they were in the beginning. Mysterious and, monsters? And they're just not as threatening. I guess, so I, guess I don't know. Are. It's it's good. I, I I do think it is very good it's in really a lot of ways. But yeah, just just a weird criticism that I have. Chief Jim Hopper, alcoholic. You know what? We're gonna do this because I like the the subject. Okay. The longest waits. This comes in from oh. Jared. Hello, allies. Greetings Brad from Ellis. Kansas City. M- me. <laughs> so after 13 long years, my favorite band Tool is set to finally oh, release I a heard new about album. This. 
A struggle has been real with delay after delay and no progress updates until this year. It sounds silly, but it's going to be a weight off my shoulders once the album finally comes out. So my question is, what is the panel's most agonizingly painful delay? Whether it's a video game, album release, book, movie, TV show, anything really. I'd love to hear what has been the hardest weight to endure. Did whatever you were waiting for live up to expectations? Show my three. Yeah, I, I knew before <laughs> I finished the email that that's what it was going to be. For me, it was probably Twilight Princess just waiting years and years for that. Just little tidbits of information. Like, every year, like, there's a screenshot. Yeah. And that's it, man. And I was just like, God, just give me this freaking game yeah. right now. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna change my answer because I'm, I'm totally fine waiting for Shenmue 3. But <laughs> this is embarrassing. I think I've told this story before, like, back in the day. Grew up, Batman fan, Batman animated series. It's also Superman animated series. Oh, I knew yeah. Leading up to the release of Superman 64, I had a countdown calendar on my wall, counting down the dates. It was my most anticipated game. Just waiting I for this. I totally get that, though. Yeah. Like, you see it, and it's yep. like, this This is just the game of the show I love. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. Superman, I get to fly around yeah. and, like beat people up it's just so funny because of how hot garbage the game the is. worst yeah so, that sucks dude. yeah that was a that was a painful weight made more painful by the, the product being trash so i i <laughs> i rented superman 64 and like it wasn't the meme that it is now and it was just like why the fuck am i flying through rings? why am i flying through rings <laughs> why the hell am i flying through these why am i flying through rings, rings? Yeah, I mean, you as a kid, you, you like try to do every mental trick in the book to like it. You know, mm-hmm. like you just try to sell yourself. Yep. Well, it's like at least this is cool. Mm-hmm. Oh man, um, for me, it was Metal Gear Solid Two, mm. and nothing. I don't think anything will ever. How long come was that wait from announcement to like? Oh my god! Well, it was 1998, and Metal Gear Solid Two came out in 2001. So three years. Like it wasn't. It wasn't like this crazy long wait. Mm-hmm. Just but, agonizing. But yeah, as a kid, like I had, in, and this is true, I had never enjoyed something as much as I enjoyed the original Metal Gear Solid. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know I could love something video games that much. Video yeah. games that much, and so it, because it was such a transformative thing for me, like the idea that there was going to be more of that feeling. Like I had never cared about characters that much. I had never cared about a story that much. I had never been so like the secrets that were in Metal Gear Solid and all the crazy things that you can do. And you know what made the way even so like it was like a one two punch, right? Because mm-hmm. that E3 trailer for Metal Gear Solid 2 is untouchable. It is god tier. God You can't make trailers nope. better than that. No. You can't do it. And then <sighs> so you have that. You have that, right? That's just oh. that's tickling your balls, yeah. right? Okay. And then you have the Metal Gear Solid 2 demo. Yes. One of the greatest demos of all time. Top two demo. It is. There's so much shit you can do in the mm-hmm. demo. So now, like, they're tickling the balls with both hands, and the pain was excruciating. Oh and it's God. especially excruciating. Is it Kojima doing it? The tickling? <laughs> it was a collective group. And he just goes, did you like it? <laughs> Did you like the two trailer? <laughs> yeah, Kojima tickling oh. my, my balls with both hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, <laughs> We've got there. Well, and the other thing. Overtime. Well, other Free thing, trap overtime. The other thing is, like, you know, I, I don't know how old I was at that point. A young lad. And um, I didn't have the power. I had no money. Yeah. You know, I wasn't making any money. Yeah. And so it was like, 
what makes it more excruciating is, is like I hope my parents like who don't have all the money in the world buy me this thing that is my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like wanting it so bad and like my dad would would go on business trips. And like I had no expectation that it was happening and like it was like the day that it came out. He came back that night after being away on a trip and he had the strategy guide for Metal Gear Solid 2, which is just so much fun to look through, you know? Dude, and he had Metal Gear Solid 3. It was like it was like he was delivering me like like the 10 commandments off the mountain. <laughs> like I I don't know if I've beyond getting the PlayStation 2, that was pretty pretty dope. But it was just that excitement because like yeah. now you can if you want something you go and you pre-order it but it was like i didn't know i was gonna get this it mm-hmm. was just like dude yeah even when you happiness. want even when like it kind of a game is in the back of your mind you know and then it comes out you're just shopping on the store oh yeah oh this is out oh, i'll just buy this digitally oh, i'll just right. get this exactly. right now exactly it was not it, like it was, that it was like then. it was like he like went he like went on a journey to like bring this back, yeah, and that's how it felt, and so it was just really exciting. Do you remember having to call game stores yes. to see oh, when? Oh yeah, yeah. Man. and like there'd be a release date, and you'd call the game store, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, should be in later. Should be in maybe like oh, you know, should be in later." But then they like wouldn't get the shipment, and like yeah. the the release date is today, and mm-hmm. the game store doesn't have it. Yeah. Crazy, like when a game was sold out. <laughs> you just get yeah. buy. You're like, no. Yeah. yeah. Or, or yeah, just like randomly dipping in, hoping that they had it. Or like the panic of like calling multiple, like trying to track it down. It's yeah. like, how many options do I have in this city yeah. to get this thing? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, we don't have a car yet. Yep. Got to ride your bike, dude, yep. down to the store. My mom drove me 90 minutes to get the Resident Evil 4 demo dude. disc. Yeah. I remember going to your house when you had that. that 90 minute drive. Dude, demo, each demo, way. Disc, demo disc is the hypest things in the world. Anyway, uh. Huber, I don't think I ever, both of you, I don't think I ever told you this story. So, um, I think it was like, I worked at a game store for a couple of years, um, and it was a, it was like a mom and pop game store when we had a whole bunch of retro games. And like, we would obviously get people calling about games all the time. I've asked you this before. Is that store still open or no? The last time I, I I check in when I go back, when I go back. And as as far as I know, it totally still exists. Cool. So cool. Yes. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so we had, like, retro games, mm-hmm. and we would always get this call. This, is, this kid would call. Who is me? Yeah. And this, this was, like, around 2011, okay? He'd be like, do you have any PS1 wrestling games? <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, do you have any PlayStation 1 wrestling games? Yeah, and we the would, best, we SmackDown. Would, we would go into the back. That's two. And like, no, PS1? you know, this, oh. this was Smackdown a long time ago, so it's hard to remember all the details, but I feel like we would go back, we would tell him what we had, <laughs> and he'd be like, okay, thanks, bye. And then he would like call back and he'd be like, do you have any PS1 wrestling <laughs> Just some guy doing just, a bit for years. Yeah, no, so I, think, funny. I, think it was a, I think it was a kid. Oh, okay. So it's like, whatever, just a, just a funny goofy yeah. story. That is funny. So, but yeah, the Dude. things that the things that people would work for. And like, I could go on forever about this, and I think I've told this story before, but like, you would get games traded in. And, like, you would open up game cases and, like, weed would fall out. That definitely <laughs> happened. That definitely happened. Or, like, you would open a game case and there'd be, like, a porn DVD in there. That definitely happened. That's so funny. But, it, like, man, it was the worst sometimes because, like, people don't take care of their stuff. No, I know. Oh. So, like, you would get stuff and you'd be like, there is, like, human gunk on your stuff. I don't want to touch it. Like, mm-hmm. that stuff happened all the time. Or, like, we would have toothbrushes and we would, like, clean up the controllers and yeah. you'd, like, get into, like the divots of the controllers and like just yeah gross. gunk it was like Shrek man it was nasty <sighs> 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 
But I think that's that's enough reminiscing for this frame trap. It is always good times when you guys are both on. Thank you so much, Bradley Ellis and Michael Huber. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you would like to send in an email, uh, the email address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. And once again, the email address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Thank you so much for watching. Until next time.